In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call, we this, call dilemma this dilemma the Verhoeven effect. You're listening to the Verhoeven Effect Podcast. I'm Conlon. And I'm Nathan. We have another very special episode. We have the 1983 movie Blue Thunder. Came out May 13th, 1983. Nathan, did you see this in the theater? I did not. I would have been nine years old when this came out. So, <laughs> um, were you? Because uh, I was only made aware of this movie like I think two years ago. There's a infamous video game called Deadly Premonition, that is a very ambitious and quirky video game, but is like a terrible to play video game. But yeah has has a lot of great enthusiasm behind it so they came out with a sequel called deadly premonition 2 and oftentimes the main character will talk to themselves and they'll talk about like movies and stuff in between but like like in the first one there's like a long explanation about like you know what a unheralded gym that lady hawk was and so again for the sequel he was talking about this movie as <laughs> being like an, an unheralded gym that people misunderstood or something like that so i'm not sure if it's that but <laughs> it got me to watch the movie so well i um, remember watching it like when i was 12 and then not watching it again until like recently like the last two years and of uh, course when you're 12 it's just like oh cool helicopters and you know, and it's kind of like, oh, is that a Apache? Like, oh no, no, it's its own thing. Oh, okay. And then um, now watching it now, it's like, oh, the story is kind of cool. It's imperfect, but it's oh, like, yeah. yeah, I like the Roy Scheider character a lot more at the end of this. Watching it now, it's like, <laughs> I I do like the the message in the story is is like. big logical missteps along the way of course (laughs) but it's kind of like oh i liked how it ended it's it's like oh no we're not going to use this power for good we're just going to destroy this power because it's always evil and it's like (laughs) i sort of like that that's nuanced considering we're talking 1983 (laughs) like it's yeah uh, and what is ostensibly like sold as an actioner like it's like oh that's there's a little more depth to this than originally (laughs) you would think that's why I always say, you know, Blue Thunder is just the working man's uh, Moonraker. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, that's a perfect Verhoeven effect quote because it sounds like it means something. It's meaningless. <laughs> it's a damn thing. Well, I like that that, I think, yeah, I think this predates Top Gun. But later on, there was a movie in there, I think it was the early 90s, called like Firehawk or something like that, where they're just like, let's do Top Gun, but with helicopters and has like, Tommy Lee Jones and Meg Ryan and uh, uh, the, uh, Nicolas that, Cage. <laughs> yeah, that is the one with the actual Apaches, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. okay. I remember watching. I've seen that once. I don't remember it being very good, but. Well, I only saw it when I was a kid on cable and thought it was cool as shit because I was a kid who liked 
you know military toys yeah. so <laughs> i imagine if i watched it now it'd be like oh this is horrible and like even watching going back and watching top gun top gun's still cool but it's like oh this is actually a terrible movie <laughs> yeah this is like a this is a terrible movie with some great scenes um, <laughs> yeah great cinematography that like all the but you know all the budget you can you know, we're going to turn this into advertisement for the government. So essentially we shot a $4 billion movie for $15 million. Yeah. Yeah. I love those movies um, <laughs> where they can, it's like, why is this movie terrible and propagandistic? It's like, do you know how much it costs to mock up military equipment versus like, <laughs> Hey, if we give, give you script approval, we'll let you, you can have like 900 Sikorsky's or <laughs> that's the thing that went wrong with the movie battle of los angeles like oh that could have been so dark and weird but it's like oh no they needed a lot they needed some script approval on that to get all those great like you can't get like 65 sikorskis in your shot even with cg and make it look convincing but if the marines like your script yeah just film all you want you know it's, <laughs> you can add in like the laser doodad weapons later but yeah you know that's so that does compromise the art a little bit. But this movie, uh, not actually that. It, it, you think it would no. be. But then you realize, oh, this is pretty subversive. And then you realize, oh, yeah, Dan O'Bannon wrote the script. And he, <laughs> he's, you know, he likes to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, so it came out May, 9th, or May 13, 1983, uh, a month before the director, John Badham's War Games, came yeah. out the next month. <laughs> So, I don't I don't know how well this did at the box office. We know War Games did very well at the box office. This, this and did I had fine. To... This had a, this is one of those weird movies that like they liked it in Europe, <laughs> uh, but it did pretty good in America too. I mean, it made its budget back double, but then they don't have. This is one of those movies where it's like so old and almost forgotten. Like they don't have the rental. They don't have. But we're looking at a budget of twenty two million and a box office return of like forty eight foreign and domestic so for 80s bucks movie that's pretty good but it's also like i just don't hear people talking about blue thunder no <laughs> except no. for except for a quirky character from a video game <laughs> no it's it, i mean it, blue thunder is i will just say this to begin it is a movie elevated by its its direction and some performances in it but if you just sit there and look at it, like it's like, oh, this is kind of illogical and weird in some ways, but also oh, yeah. endearing well, in other ways too. Yeah, well, it's also it's got a like holy shit, the cast they got for what is ostensibly a a pretty straightforward B movie that's kind of subversive. Yeah, like <laughs> like everybody must have been taking a paycheck on this movie and they got a great cast for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can get Roy Scheider and Malcolm McDowell in the same movie. That's going to be fun. Then you got to throw Warren Oates in. It's like, oh, this is amazing. And then a 12-year-old Daniel Stern. Yeah. Um, and uh, then his yeah, girlfriend was pretty cool, too. But, yeah, Candy <laughs> Clark was her name. Uh, John Badham, like, we, he did War Games. He directed um, Saturday Night Fever. Uh, now he just pretty much does TV direction, but he's still around. He's like almost 90 uh, at this point. Yeah. He's one of he those Amero-British guys, too, <laughs> where his, like he was born over there, but his dad was in the Air Force, uh, but he was kind of back and forth, kind of like a Christian Bale guy where he's like, oh, yeah, he, he was like, where is he from? You don't exactly know. 
<laughs> I mean, he's mainly from here at this point, but yeah. Did he do? Oh, what's what's that like early '90s hacker movie? Sneakers. Did he do sneakers? No, that up. was. Uh... Is that the guy who wrote War Games? Probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, his big early '90s thing was Point of No Return. Okay. Um, which is like. Oh, that was the uh, that's the American remake of La Femme Nikita. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And he also did Stakeout. Yeah. And Short Circuit. There's but John Badham movies like haunt my childhood in a lot of ways. <laughs> this wasn't really one of them, but definitely War Games and Short Circuit. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of good movies. I mean, he, I like his movies. I like the soundtrack uh, to this movie. This movie had an interesting like techno soundtrack. Uh, yeah. For, for, for which. Like sometimes in the early '80s, that was stupid, and this movie was kind of cool, but it was so <laughs> low key. It's like, oh, if you didn't weren't doing research on the movie, you would almost miss it. But then you listen to oh, it, yeah. just straight up listen to it on its own. It's like that's pretty cool for 1983. I mean, this almost seems like a John Carpenter movie <laughs> in a way. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> Although it's interesting, I heard I heard people talk about Assault in Precinct thir- Thirteen, which I've never seen. But it's funny, they're giving trivia on it, and they're talking about how when he shot that movie, he shot it for like $100,000 in like 1977 or eight or something like that. And and at the time, like he was trying to get go for that like um, 70s, like gritty New York thing, but right. like do it in L.A. And he wanted to make it seem like L.A. was falling apart and it's like a near apocalypse, so much like Mad Max, but like in L.A., but I guess LA at that time, as much as you wanted to, it wasn't the that like everyone said it was, nor was it the compared to New York. So it couldn't make it look like a an apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah, it's kind of hard. He didn't get to do that until uh, Escape from LA, and everyone's trying to forget that like John Carpenter made that now. Uh, but yeah, this movie also takes place in LA. So. Yeah, <laughs> which I don't know. I mean, I guess. That's probably the most famous place for police helicopters is L.A. It's yeah, it's it was known for it. It's believed that you could have like, oh, we've got the special flying squad with literally <laughs> 15, 20 helicopters. We have like day shift, midnights, afternoons, you know, so. But it's also like, you know, footage of car chases is like a a common thing in L.A. So much. So I remember this friend's spinoff of Joey, there's a part where everyone is like at home watching a police chase. Cause that's just what you do in LA. It's like, well, we can't get on the freeway. So we're going to stay home and watch the police chase, which I don't know if that's, I don't, I haven't lived in LA, so I don't know if that's true or not, but it seemed like a funny thing to base an episode on. It's like, well, I can believe that being a thing. I don't know. Yeah. And also, you know, like the, the 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 OJ chase and stuff like that. You know, that was all helicopter footage from, you know, L.A. and stuff like that. Or th- was that in L.A.? Yeah, that'd yeah, be right. I think so. Okay. Yeah, or around there. <laughs> well, this was also in an era of action movies where because this kind of died off in the '80s, where it became there was a lot of movies that came out you know within like five years of this where it was one guy was handed a piece of technology that was far in advance of anything else known, and he had yeah. the responsibility to do, either do good or evil with it. I, <laughs> there was a Tommy Lee Jones movie, actually, we're talking about, called Black Moon Rising, about a prototype yeah. car 
that had all this ability and written by John Carpenter. Okay, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> but, but there were movies like this, and I can't think of another one. But I know there were movies where it's like, oh, he has. I mean, sh- sh- short circuits exactly that yeah, too. Yeah, it's it's like technology. <laughs> Um, you know, short circuits about like we wanted to make a war robot and then humanity uh, screwed it up. <laughs> yeah, we made it like decent and kind. It's like we got to destroy that. Yeah. So. <laughs> the scientists were bad, but we had one good scientist from India who was doing, you know, blackface Indian <laughs> or whatever he called it. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> couldn't find an actual Indian actor. <laughs> Well, it was the 80s. It was a different time. Yeah. The world was much larger and mysterious then. <laughs> Cinematographer is John A. Alonzo, which I got to look up his stuff because he has a bunch of crazy credits of stuff you'll know. Yeah. I watched that. There's a two hour and there's a longer making of this movie documentary you can watch than uh, that talks about a lot of the stuff that they did and didn't do. Uh, so like he he shot Chinatown, <laughs> so uh, Vanishing Point, oh, wow. famous okay. car chase movie <laughs> from the early seventies. Uh, that one, okay, cool, yeah, I remember that one. The Magnificent Se- Magnificent Seven from back in the 60s, 1960. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, <laughs> Star Trek Generations, yeah, not a great one, but you'll know it. <laughs> Black Sunday, oh, everyone loves that one. <laughs> Navy Seals, yeah, Cool World, The Meteor Man. <laughs> Everyone's favorite black superhero from the 90s. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is this one always because kind of, the title always like Zorro the Gay Blade. I've heard that title, I've never seen the movie. I assume that's about a homosexual Zorro, but I don't know if that's the that's about. It's yeah, it's meant to be. Uh, I forget, I don't know how I describe I've seen it. Um. It's it's just like a wacky comedy set around Zorro, oh, okay. and yeah, that's a, that's an element of it. Uh, shot the bad news bears, you know, just throwing some comedy. He shot uh, Scarface. Yes, Steel Magnolias. <laughs> so yeah, this guy has this guy has a run. He's got he's got some eccentric movies behind him. He is a man of all seasons. It seems like. <laughs> And it was written by uh, Dan O'Ban and uh, Don Jacoby uh, together as yep. an ampersand. And here it has a Dean Reiser as an uncredited. I don't know anything about that, but it's on the list. Uh, but Dan O'Ban was a guy like he he worked he worked with he was the one who worked John John Carpenter a lot like yeah uh, a lot right right yeah, okay at the beginning and he also like, he wrote like Dark Star and uh, yeah some of the early okay. Carpenter stuff yeah and then did he did he co-wrote right or was he the story by on Alien uh, I know he was involved in the writing of Alien couldn't tell you, you know, yeah how. I can't remember if it was like the writing or if it was like the uh, if he was like a producer but he's involved in Alien too so involved in Blade Runner um, <laughs> heavy metal. Total recall. <laughs> and then he did like helped with the animation on Star Wars. Like not a writing credit, just like special effects <laughs> credit. Like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, it looks like Dan Jacoby's like is also like a uh, John Carpenter guy. He wrote Vampires. Okay. Yeah. Um which I know that's like everyone hates that movie, especially because it's like they see it as a disappointing John Carpenter movie. But I really like that movie. I and then I even too. went back and watched it when 
after people said it was dumb, I was like, ah, I guess we'll we'll see if it's really dumb. And I like, I still liked it. I I forget what people hate about the movie. I guess what I really liked about it was like, it's just like, what if you, what if you practically had to kill vampires? What tools would you use to your advantage? And that's what I love about that movie. It's like, okay, you can't fight a vampire. But what if you shot a spear to that and that spear was attached to a winch that yanked him out of a house in daylight? <laughs> yeah, that's a, Oh, sorry. Dan O'Bannon not involved with Blade Runner. Big, big, big oh, okay. there. But yeah, no, that's that's what I liked about vampires. It's like, yeah, it's the practical. Like, how do you fight these things that are dangerous, that have an infectious disease? And it's like, how do you get them out in the sun without you yourself being killed? It's like, yeah, just use like a, you know, a kind of a reimagined um harpoon <laughs> it's like you can't actually use a harpoon because it's just too big and bulky but yeah use bows and arrows and just drag them out into the sun with a winch it's like that's perfect that's like <laughs> if we really had to fight vampires and the, they really reacted that way that is exactly what you would do there there wasn't or you'd invent some kind of like ultraviolet light cannon but that would give you skin cancer yourself you know eventually that would kill you too so yeah i, I like vampires and i you know and i've always been a fan of um you know my favorite twitter J guy J james woods yeah james woods is my one of, as an actor i love to watch and also my favorite guy to follow on twitter because it's entertaining both ways so i don't necessarily understand his politics but he makes it fun so um cast is roy scheider warren oates and candy clark even though uh yeah like there's daniel stern and malcolm mcdowell so that, i feel like i don't know it was sometimes there's like british actors you know he's most famous for um clockwork clockwork orange so like maybe he just got famous for that but he didn't really get a success off of that <laughs> so he just became like a like just kind of a working actor in hollywood for the longest time because yeah. like he's in so many terrible movies but he's like great in them it's like oh cool malcolm mcdowell's here yeah he's fun i mean you just you like to watch him so i like he shows up in like tank girl another great terrible movie we probably should watch sometime where it's like how'd they get him <laughs> like this seems beneath him but it's like no everybody got malcolm mcdowell he's not nothing's beneath him yeah he'll do it. it's like how much paycheck cool i'm there <laughs> nothing wrong with that i mean malcolm mcdowell was in caligula for god's sake i mean that's <laughs> have you ever seen that yeah oh my god it's nuts and he did a great job yeah. I mean, he basically played his like, Alex DeLarge as a Roman, but it's like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it was cool. And then uh, what else did he was he in? I mean, he's done so many things. He was the bad guy, and he killed Kirk in Star Trek Generations. Yeah. Because he had the phaser that, like, uh, always was articulating, which was kind of dumb and cool at the same time. <laughs> and the, who can forget Cyborg 3? Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, it was cool to see Malcolm McDowell in this because it was still a young Malcolm McDowell. Yeah. So he was still kind of a weird-looking guy. Like, he looked like this, the whole, you know. <laughs> Oi, fight it, huh? Chopper, you know. And I love that, like, uh, Roy Scheider would just mock his accent incessantly. <laughs> well, also, like, I don't confuse them, but, like, in my in my mind, they they do, like, pretty much the same roles and kind of have the same stature. But like Jeremy Irons, I'd see on the same level as Malcolm McDowell, yeah. who also does everything. <laughs> and he, it's like, shouldn't he do respectful stuff? He's like, man, he'll do whatever you, if you give him his day rate, he'll come and show up. <laughs> yeah, he's a professional. It's like, yeah, give him, give him an Oscar for, uh, um, well, what was 
What Irons won the Oscar for? He played when he played uh, Klaus von Bülow, uh, and where he got a guy who murdered his wife and got off. Dershowitz got him off. What was the name of that movie? Um, I can't remember. Yeah, he got an Oscar one year. Next year is like, yeah, Bride of the Reanimator three. I'm in. It's like, <laughs> oh, wow, okay, cool. <laughs> but like Jeremy Irons kind of had like a comeback recently, where he's been a lot. Of stuff. At least I remember him in that that uh, TV version of uh the watchman which was really good yes uh, it's only up. made better by them not doing a second season yeah it was perfect like cool <laughs> normally i hate that kind of shit, what they did with that but that was like oh this is amazing i love this i know <laughs> i know the kind of crap you're writing into the story but it's still great i actually bought that like i have that <laughs> because it was so well written it's like this is great and jeremy irons is as ozymandias was perfect well, see, Jeremy Irons has that weird, cool voice that he didn't have as a younger man. <laughs> I, yeah. It's like, but now he's got that voice where it's kind of like, it's a, it's like, I don't know, like a muted British accent at this point, but it has a rattle to it. I don't yeah. know. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. But yeah, Jeremy Irons, you like, you'll know the voice when he's like, oh my God, we, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. But he, it's like, oh, that's Jeremy Irons. It's like, it's cool. It's, it's got this, cool. it's got almost this like rattle to it of, yeah. um, of Tom Waits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he just, he added like a mid range Tom Waits to his voice and it, it, it exudes this pain and weirdness that, uh, and, and he always plays, plays it up with energy. And so it just makes it really interesting. Well, it has <laughs> a voice that talk. sounds as good yelling as it does quiet passages. It has the same impact both ways. <laughs> I don't know how Jeremy Irons does that, but he wasn't in this movie. It was Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> well, I always see him, but like I, 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 I looked up like, well, what did Malcolm McDowell do recently? And it's like he's doing a lot of nothing. Really comes to mind. He's not, he's doing a lot of voice work and stuff like that. And then oh, he's got to be in he's his just eighties by now. Yeah, but still, still, so is Jeremy Irons. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't true. stop anybody. There's, I mean, like Arnold's gonna have a TV series on Netflix. <laughs> like nobody cares anymore. Like it can't make new stars. They keep trying to mine the old ones. <laughs> oh, Schwarzenegger's doing a doing a thing. Yeah, about it's his like life. He, yeah, it's like oh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically it's like it's essentially it's like True Lies, but like he finds out he, he's like a CIA guy. And then he finds out his daughter, who's like getting married, is also in the CIA, and they're and it's like, why didn't you tell me that? And it's like a new TV series on Netflix. I saw the commercial for it, and it looked awful. So, uh, well, I, I was talking. They're, they're doing a documentary about him too, but it's yeah. one of those like. I think it came. That came out. I don't. I haven't seen it. Oh uh, yeah, but but it out. sounds like like halfway through it, they're like, so why'd you cheat on your wife? And it's like, <laughs> oh wow, he's never done shit like that before. He must. It must be time for the apology tour of. Yeah. Of like, yeah, I know. I wasn't always a good guy. Um He's a cool person though. Oh yeah. yeah. The thing about Arnold Schwarzenegger is he's very smart, but those muscle guys, you always underestimate them. It's like he couldn't be smart because he looks like that. It's like, no, he's actually a really good business guy. <laughs> and he's very hard working. And it, because yeah. for a long time people said, Well, his work ethic just makes up for his lack of intelligence. Like they actually said that about him. It's like, <laughs> no, he's really damn smart too. But the most interesting thing about him is how he plays with people conversationally. Oh uh, yeah, it's weird because like, you know, that bodybuilder stuff is like it you know, it is a scientific process, but like all you see is this guys lifting weights and you're like, Well, 
how's that hard and <laughs> it's like oh it's just all steroids like well steroids don't do that i mean no. they make it so you can keep lifting those weights more often but not they don't add the muscle on uh but i don't know there's a similar thing like um with uh yeah what's his name uh the martial artist who died uh bruce lee yeah like same thing like he had like a you know, he got into bodybuilding and stuff like that and, and doing a lot of transformational stuff. But, but people see him as more cerebral than like Arnold and all those guys because he was a martial artist and not like, you know, weightlifter. Well, he was also it was like, oh, he's from it's like the mystical martial arts. Of yeah. The Far yeah. East is versus like, well, Arnold Schwarzenegger looks like, you know, every other person in America who's like got German ancestry only he looks like <laughs> a comic book like hero too um <laughs> so it's like oh yeah that's weird although have you seen his illegitimate son <laughs> oh the, the spanish arnold schwarzenegger yeah yeah who's like who's also into powerlifting i guess and yeah, like yeah. it's like oh he could be a body double for him at this point yeah it's a younger guy just a tanner arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> yeah oh he just looks like he just looks like a spanish you know it's like if you combined a bodybuilder and a housemaid. <laughs> well, yeah, you did, actually. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Blue Thunder. Yeah. Act one, uh, we get titles. It says, hardware and weaponry just depicted in this film is are in use today, uh, which I guess, but like mostly a military context. For us. Yeah. Here, that's the whole problem of the, is basically tell, taking military industrial complex stuff and just applying it to the u.s citizens that's sort of like the big you know like thing that's going to happen that's going to change everything it'll be the world will become or america will become a police state through technology and profits <laughs> well and you know and then 20 years later what are we talking well, now well, 40 years later, <laughs> it's like the militarization of the police force and yeah it's like yeah this movie was ahead of its time in some ways yeah uh, then we have police helicopters taking off because some people looking for, for Murphy. That's Roy Scheider's character. Uh, we got Richard Lyman. Good played by Daniel Stern. Uh, who's, you know, most famous as being one of the robbers in, in home alone. Actually, that's gotta be as far as the guy from plays or from, uh, uh, what was the one? Billy crystal, uh, city slickers. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he... and cities and city slickers too. The search for Curly's gold. I didn't really like that one as much. I like the first one a lot. But... I mean, there's almost no comedies that are better than the original. So wow. <laughs> I think I hear I I don't know. The last time I've watched it in a long time, I hear people say Wayne's World Two is better than the first Wayne's World, which I've never believed. But I'll have we'll have to do that comparison at some point. Um. And then the other one, the only one I, that me personally I think is a better movie than the original is I think uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is far better than uh, Excellent Adventure. I, so. I could see that. I could almost grasp that <laughs> just because it was even like, oh, how can we up the dumb weirdness factor? It's like, oh, we can't. Yeah. It's possible. Well, they're almost completely different movies, of which I, the Bogus Journey is so, so weird and uh, iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and Alex Excellent Adventure is also iconic, but it's just... Well, one was a very 80s movie. One was a very 90s movie. <laughs> but they didn't take place that far apart, so... Oh, yeah, Murphy's doing something with his watch where he's, like, trying to keep sanity with his Casio digital watch. Uh, High tech at the time. 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I saw the 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 trivia that said this was the director's watch, making it seem like it was like a one-off thing that Casio made or something like that. But there's a there. If you didn't know, I mean, I know watch tech is great now, but like in the mid '90s, there was like crazy watch tech uh, of like having calculators on your hand, having. Uh, watches that'll change the tv channel and it was like wild and futuristic at the time but com- almost completely useless uh <laughs> so <laughs> but now watch tech is like i have it's like i'll have a little phone connected to my phone <laughs> well yeah see because my thing is like i I'm, watches are one of my things like i i like watches and clocks and stuff and i really got into like what's the smoothest movement i can buy because i don't have rolex money so no it's not going to be rolexes <laughs> But what's like who makes it and what's the best one and how do you and I have watches like that that just have like the just the s- continuous synchronous movement and I actually spent a lot of money on them you know not Rolex money but you know Nathan money which <laughs> is not a lot but it's it's you know I have some nice watches and then these damn things came out and it's <laughs> like well I'll never buy another watch except for one of these and of course as you can see like this is the Apple like super grade watch and. It's like, I don't know, you want to get that for Christmas for me? Or, yeah, I was talking to my wife about it, and then it's like, I don't know if it's an improvement over the other one I have, and then you get it, and it's like, oh, this is a massive improvement over the other <laughs> one. It's like, damn it, it costs more money, and it was worth the money. <laughs> so, yeah, I had, I had a weird situation where my, my phone, which I have like the, the, the flip phones from Samsung where the screen folds and the screen broke, so, yay, I guess that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was a noble effort. Yeah. It's like the Excelsior, the great experiment. It, it will live on later as the Enterprise, uh, but it will be something better. You know. And, uh, but in the meantime, when the, the, but weirdly enough, there's an outer screen to it that's not a fold screen, but like you can't control everything on the phone with it. But I have my watch and I already had it connected up through Bluetooth to the phone. So there's like things I could do through my watch, through my phone without the phone screen. And so one is I could still use the GPS navigation, but it just went through my watch rather than the phone. And it just would tell you the, it would like, it would vibrate when a turn was coming up. And I was like, Oh, that's actually kind of (laughs) nice. Yeah. I've, Um, uh, I've found a few things. Uh, Well, you, you, you always like my voice texts that I send because I don't type texts. I always just talk into my watch, but most of the time I send you texts. You can tell the ones from work when there's giant presses and screaming machinery running in the background (laughs) because it always comes across weird because it picks up my voice and then a bunch of other noise and then tries to interpret that as also a voice. So yeah. Yeah. What'd you say? It's like I, your robot voice almost sounds human or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's me texting you from work, but yeah. So thanks Apple. You destroyed my love of like fine time pieces. <laughs> I never have a reason to buy. And I can't start my car with, you know, even if I could someday buy a Rolex, it's never going to start my car. This start my car. And let me access my, I can just walk up to the car and it opens like, welcome friend. It's like, that's so weird. It's all because of this damn watch. Uh, so Lyman Good and uh, Murphy are a new pairing. They're a new chopper team. They take off in dusk and just a normal police chopper. Oh, by the way, the uh, thing with the, 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 have we talked about why he does the watch countdown yet? Or does that come later in the story? That comes later, but okay. you can explain it now if you want. Oh, it's kind of cool because what he does is he has, this thing running on his wrist and it's a countdown timer 
and then you find out like oh he's using that to evaluate whether he is insane or not because if you go nuts or have whatever because i guess he had ptsd but they weren't calling it that back then they were just calling it schizophrenia. <laughs> yeah. He's like, but if you can tell, if you can kind of calculate the passage of 25 seconds in your mind uh, versus reality with the watch, it's like, then you're doing good. But if it passes like five seconds or it seems to take an hour, then you're screwed, you know? So that's what he's always doing with the watch to check yeah, you if to see how sane he is that day. Yeah. If you're mentally unwell, your, your perception of time will change drastically, apparently. Yeah, um, which seems true enough. I don't know if it's based on anything here, it's but it's a problem it seems I've to... had my whole life. Whereas <laughs> time seems to move very slowly when I'm doing things I don't want to. So I guess that means I'm either mentally ill or spoiled. I don't know which. I don't. Know, it's it's. I don't. Know, it's like if I had to say like why I'm a hard worker is because it it avoiding work makes time go slower than just working. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've I've been accused of that before too. Where people will be like oh you know you have the worst job in the plan or whatever it's like yeah but the days goes by so fast i don't even <laughs> have to think about anything it's like that's weird you can get a better job it's like no because number one the day would go slow and number two i have to talk to people people get really <laughs> off put with me when i when they suggest like maybe you should try this it's like no that means i have to talk to people it's like yeah well so it's like no, that's a big no-go area for me. I don't <laughs> want to talk to people every. I don't want my day to depend on. Well, did you know? Let's just say I'm. This isn't a real person, but let's say like Becky. Did Becky take her psych meds today? Because that's going to determine the color and shape of my day. I don't want to be in that position. I want it to be all me. It's all my problem. <laughs> yeah. Anything that happens, it's not because somebody else didn't get. You know, I don't know their pills or didn't get last night or what i'm sorry i shouldn't say it like that but you know what i mean well i mean i, I mean it's uh, it's almost the only that you know i'm not necessarily a good worker because of like pride or seeking excellence it's because one if you just pay attention to what you're doing and kind of get over detailed with it time moves faster two if you do a good job nobody complains to you because you do a good job so people yeah. don't talk to you yeah <laughs> It's a major thing. Oh yeah, it's uh, another thing I've explained too. It's like, hey, look, I might, I want to, I want to flood the banks with cynicism and sarcasm. I want to do that, but I am also interested in as frictionless a day as I can have. <laughs> I don't want to deal with anyone's like, yeah. hi, I want to offer you some advice. It's like, no, 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 no. I don't <laughs> want any of that. I just want to punch in, punch out, go home. It's, it's, it means nothing to me. It's, it's money. That's all it is. Which is basically another reason why I don't get like um, promotions and stuff like that because if the squeaky wheel gets the grease and like and if I'm the anonymous person who shows up and leaves every day and does a good job then nobody takes it's like oh what can we do to prove it it's like let's give him more responsibility more money yeah no we don't no it's like that. he's doing a good job we'll just leave him alone yeah. You know, don't give them a don't give them a pay raise. <laughs> if the people one step up the leadership chain for me don't know my name, I've done my job. <laughs> oh, that guy, the, the big guy over there. What's his name? Ah, oh yeah, that's what. Yeah, yeah, he works here. Yeah, he does. Right. Because the day I don't show um, up, you'll know. <laughs> um, they take off at dusk. It's a very cool looking as all the helicopters take off and the sun's going down. Yeah, that is a very mm -hmm. iconic scene. You don't think about that because they're working the night shift. Also, yeah, this is around the time where like chopper stuff was big. Like, I don't know, like, was that late seventies where we had Airwolf? 
Airwolf was that came like a year after this, and it was so close to this, it was considered a ripoff of this in some circles. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Because um, I do remember, but it like, wasn't. The, it was its own weird thing. But yeah, well, I remember that like there was a lot of uh, hesit- hesitancy around this time because there's uh, three people were killed in a helicopter accident in the filming of the Twilight Zone movie. Yeah. So like a lot of stuff got pulled back for helicopter stuff. I saw the uh, the corridor crew. They do stuntman rack stuff, and they showed like this like helicopter television show from like the late seventies, and it was just all these Vietnam era pilots doing crazy shit that they obviously did not get permission for uh just flying helicopters under bridges and landing them on moving semi trucks and stuff like that yeah. <laughs> it's like they're like flying just them upside town. down <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just you know like hey we did crazier nom like this is nothing it's like what do you got for us and it's like as long as nobody crashes and dies nobody gets in trouble yeah. <laughs> and then that happens so <laughs> Because I like to think, like, you know, like, you know that scene in Terminator 2 where the helicopter goes on their bridge? They did that for real, and that was true. But, like, there's actually, they were going under bridges, like, like nine years, ten, like a decade before that movie came out. So Yeah, and they weren't doing it, like, in Terminator 2 when they did it, like, they had, like, people measuring the bridge and the span of the blades and also, like, uh, you know, calculating like, oh, well, how much downforce will that suddenly generate going under the bridge? And it, no, when they were doing this in the 70s, these guys were like, hey, let's try this. You know, <laughs> let's see what happens. Well, I know roughly what the clearance is on this Bell helicopter. Let's see if we make it under. Uh, Lyman gets spots a drug deal. They get called in, uh, but they don't do anything about it. They get called into an armed robbery. Uh, they light up, they light up a black guy in a cowboy hat and then he get, and then he shoots at the helicopter and then the cops down on the ground, just shoot the cowboy guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just get him in the shoulder. So he's not necessarily just killed, but like every time they put the spotlight on somebody, it's like pretty much they are gunned down by the police. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's a, it's a kill light. It's, it's like spotlight deer. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and then, like, the, the cowboy guy has an accomplice that Murphy sees, but the other cops don't because, you know, they're in the air. And so he, like, gets in close to, like, basically use, like, the the rotor wash to, like, pin him down. Yeah, what does he like, say? He's like, we got to dust him. And, yeah. yeah. Like... <laughs> uh, so they get that guy, and then they move on. Uh, here's, the, like, the one of the, probably the weirdest scene. <laughs> one of the weirdest. They spy in on a naked lady that apparently they know does like naked gymnast gymnastics or oh, yoga she's like doing night. full on like crazy yoga stuff like before yeah. that was known where she was like putting <laughs> her legs behind her head and and they're just basically showing it and this guy was like oh my god you know they're just like <laughs> uh, you know which like isolated unto itself is a sexy scene you put them spying on her that's a very creepy scene now <laughs> but this was like a this was like ninety percent of the nudity in eighties movies. Yeah, was either people spying on somebody or somebody being raped, and so it's maybe why all the kids uh, grew up in the eighties and nineties are f-ed up. But who knows? <laughs> yeah, it might be why there were problems later in life. Like, <laughs> I love you, and immediately you're like punching someone. Like, what are you doing? It's like, oh wait, isn't this love? <laughs> But yeah, it's probably why there aren't isn't nudity in many movies nowadays because nobody can just create like like 
it always has to be a voyeur thing. It just can't be a natural thing. <laughs> People are having fun, and now they're new. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be some voyeur thing or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Well, it was weird. Not only like, like what they were doing, which was basically just like really expensive peeping Tom stuff, but the exercises yeah. the woman was doing and how they were shooting it was shot to be as just as erotically as you could do it. <laughs> To where it was like just implications of, of stretching and movement and spreading of things, which is like, <laughs> wow, they really put a lot of thought into this scene. Whoever yeah. storied this You out. saw some bush or probably a merkin, you know. That's yeah. <laughs> or a shadow. Yeah. <laughs> what was this movie rated, by the way? Oh, it's got to be an R. It's There's plenty of swearing. Yeah. But you never know. Like that back in that day, like you could have. As long as nobody bled or blew apart, like sometimes you could get a PG rating out of the craziest things. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I keep, oh, it's R. Yeah, it's rated R. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So there was a lot of, it was as close to full frontal nudity as you could get. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, like she's probably wearing a Merkin because they have her just basically waist over, bending over, and almost just like spreading things. And all, like, yeah, all it was a crazy. So I was watching, I was like, wow, this was like 40 years ago. They thought this was sexy, huh? And mind you, it's ridiculous because they're hovering in a helicopter, which I don't know if you've ever been, you've been near real, you've been near like military helicopters, but I, I've seen like a lot of life flight type helicopters and stuff actually take off. They are so loud. It's like yeah. this, there's nothing subtle about this helicopter. It would just literally yeah, sound like a cement mixer in your living room. <laughs> like this thing well, is so loud. And they're spying on some house in the hill. It's probably like a $40 million house, and it's the only house on the hill. So there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where like the only thing where it's like, you know, this is a violation, like, you know she they're peeping it on her and it's like she didn't give them permission but like if you want to drag it out it's like well she probably knows they're there and she's giving permission in yeah, some way this is a known thing like this was something yeah. that murphy and his other co-pilot or not co-pilot uh observer uh spotter yeah spotter, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh knew about so it's like oh yeah they've been doing this a while so i would have to assume that there was some buy-in on some level but as it's presented in the movie, it just looks like they're being a peeping Tom. And they do this another time again, so it's, it doesn't help them. It doesn't help their cause. Yeah, I mean, they do Yeah, they do it, but then it, those peeping Tom skills develop into, like, the MacGuffin of the movie yeah. later. So it's like, oh, we'll see it paid off. You know, being perverts actually worked out for them. Uh, then we have, a, we have a lady pulling into, like, a gated house. And then a burglar like stops the gate at some mansion or whatever, and then they rob the lady, and they're looking for a briefcase. Uh, then Murphy and Lyman Good show up to highlight the robbers so the cops can shoot them, and they do. They oh, remember they flag the car in front of the house first as an abandoned yeah. car, and and then and then later this happens like an hour later or whatever. Uh, and then one of the guys getting shot while climbing a fence and falling. Uh, gives Murphy a nom flashback of a literal flashback to Vietnam. So it's not, it's not just a thing you say. It's literally flashing back to nom. And then, well, also like the, there's a thing where it's getting the way it gets they get called in. It was like there's a rape over here, and they get over there, and that's not. It's just a lady being assaulted, not necessarily sexually assaulted. But they get called back to base, and they get called in the office, which I put his name later. But this is the uh, this is uh, Braddock. Warren yeah, Oates. Captain Brad. 
Uh, was this his last movie? Yes, yeah, so he died like before looking. they were done with principal photography. So, oh, okay, okay. Seen him a bunch of stuff. I I saw like his big credit was in the Wild Bunch, which yeah. I've never actually like watched all the way through. But I know you've seen that. Yeah, I don't know if that's his most famous role or not. He was a famous for a lot of characters like this. Yeah, his delivery was his fame. <laughs> he had the fame at the line. He could make bad dialogue sound like amazing and low key. You know, he was one of yeah, those yeah. guys. Pretty good dialogue in this movie, but he's done some other stuff. <laughs> uh, basically, they're like Murphy and uh, Lyman Good are in trouble for like not being there soon enough because they're you know peeping on a naked lady. Uh, I wrote district attorney, but apparently she's like a commissioner for some like urban violence thing. Well, or the something. way they the way they describe it in the news is like she's she's working with the minorities and the mayor to so, to, <laughs> to deal with minority violence because that that's an under theme in this movie. It's like they're going to use blue thunder against the minorities. Yeah, it's like that's always like yeah we got to stop all these people from doing things it had to do with the olympics that would be in los angeles later that year and stuff but yeah, yeah. so essentially she's like what we would call today like community outreach thing with the yeah. mayor and i mean i did that is a thing in this movie like pretty much all the people all the crime they stop is all, all from minorities yeah oh yeah yeah they don't they only yeah, they don't stop any white criminals. No. In this movie. Well, the white criminals are all like the government people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Those yeah, are yeah. the white criminals. Is they they sit around in well, offices like, yeah, we're gonna deal with this problem. It's like, oh, what, it's actually you, a movie of the future in that way. Yeah, like again, I'm not sure if that's intended, but that would be brilliant no, it's if they intended. did because it would be okay. It's intended. <laughs> the, just by the way this movie's written, it's intended. Well, I mean, this is still in the era. Where it's like where it's like we got to cast this criminal, and they just like, well, what black guys do we have in the casting room? Like that's how that worked back. Oh then, yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it wouldn't make sense until like you know, I think RoboCop was the first money movie where it's like oh, we're gonna have criminals as the main character, and they're almost all white guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, huh, that's different. That's a, that's a new flavor. Uh, yeah, this also where it's like it's being called the raped, and this where like Murphy's like that's not what happened. So there's like you already know like something weird is going on. Yeah. Uh, and then here like, uh, Lyman Good tries to like, like pop in and say that it wasn't his fault. Like we're out, we're out spying on this naked lady, and and, and uh, uh, Braddock goes like, "You're new. You're supposed to be an idiot. Don't abuse that privilege. Yeah. Don't abuse your idiot privilege. <laughs> sit there and shut up." It's like that's great. That's a great line. Like, you always would love to say that to someone, but it never works out in real life. Yeah. Right? yeah. But it's like, damn, it's good dialogue. Uh, so they get grounded, and something seems suspicious here. Uh, Murphy races his uh, Trans Am. Is that Trans Am, or is that just? Uh, uh, it's some kind of Camaro Trans Am. I think it's it is a Trans Am. I believe it does have the okay. eagle on it. I don't know. I didn't look that closely. Um. I want to say is a T-top Trans Am because that's only T only Trans Ams are T-tops, right? <laughs> I believe so. Yes. Okay. There's an interesting company uh, because you know, you know, Ford came out with a new Mustang, so of course Chevy had to come out with their new Camaro, and then there's a company that does aftermarket parts, uh, and they'll just convert your your new Camaro to be a new looking 
uh trans am out of your your new camaro like with the t-top and all that oh yeah i've seen those <laughs> which they're neat but i bet they leak like crazy <laughs> uh, probably <laughs> i mean if you're spending that much money on a camaro to to to, to con- do like a forty thousand dollar conversion into a what if scenario for your t-top camaro or your t-top trans am like you're probably not going to be driving that in the rain. <laughs> no, it's probably yeah. You're you're probably too much money into that. Uh, sad story though, Camaros no more. They quit making it. Oh, they did. Okay, is that yeah. reason? Or... Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's pretty good. last couple of years. Well, I mean, any kind of V8 two door car with like the new rules coming down, it's like it's everything's an SUV yeah. now. It's you're not. Well, yeah, because uh, it's also Dodge's. Like they just rolled out their last ever like hellcat or whatever yeah like they're, they're doing because everything's going to be electric or whatever so uh it's not going to be electric it's just it's got to be an suv and, and you know they're gonna they're gonna um well i mean they're going along with whatever the current administration says now believe me they'll bring cars right back as soon as they get someone better you know a better a more friendly administration in there but right now they have to as long as the government's paying them to build all these electric cars and lose money on every one, they're gonna they're gonna go with that <laughs> because it's like, well, it's free money. <laughs> kind of like the remember the guy what was it the guy who could get you all the government loans and he had this the suit with the question marks yeah. on it. It's like, yeah, that's what's going on with electric cars right now. <laughs> Just got a bunch of lawyers with like Riddler suits on. Like, how much money can we screw the government out of <laughs> to build these cars that no one wants that break down all the time and. It's like, yeah, but we, that, that's another story for another time. Uh, Murphy gets home and listens to his messages. Uh, I don't know when mes- answering machines came out, so I'm not sure if this is like a unique, like weird thing or, you know, people know about it by this time. I don't know if it would be common. I know the kind of pager beeper he had. I knew people that had those, but I don't know like the answering machines if they, uh, how common they were at this time. Probably were that's out a- there if you you know but it's a huge answering machine it's like a size well i would say vcr but people don't know what the size of that is so it's about a size as a laptop if you stack two laptops on top of each other like that's the size of this answering machine yeah oh yeah it's some massive thing yes it is a pontiac firebird confirmed he's driving a t-top oh firebird, firebird. okay oh they made t-top firebirds okay i thought that was just a transient thing but that's both pontiac so i guess it's all the same yeah it's all the same company. yeah 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 it's all the same um, All the same crap under the hood. <laughs> uh, I wrote he also gets a call from like his ex-wife or something, but no, it's just his kind of weird girlfriend and whatever their situation is. Yeah, he's like the sexiest <laughs> 70s girlfriend ever. Can- the actress's <laughs> name is Candy Clark. Uh, yeah, she's like the ultimate 70s chick. Do you know her from other stuff? I didn't, I didn't like. Uh, she was in the in. big sleep. Uh, she was in American Graffiti. Okay. I'm trying to think what else she was. I think she was in The Blob, the 88 okay. one. Um, and she was in Cat's Eye. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, she's fun here, but she's also just a weird character who seems to be, like, living in her own universe. <laughs> yeah, she's always kind of been that, uh, that way. She was also in Zodiac as an extra. Huh. It's one of the best, like, modern serial killer movies. Another David Fincher joint. <laughs> uh, Kate comes in with a sleeping child. He almost shoots her. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, and this is a kid from a different marriage or whatever so but uh or, or relationship but so it's it's not their kid but it, you know he's not like but it's not like an ex-wife situation that's just his eccentric girlfriend <laughs> yeah because he's an eccentric guy because yeah <laughs> yeah he's he works nights <laughs> so you know he works from dusk till dawn <laughs> so yeah, he like flies hard a helicopter around la all night <laughs> not a normal job and he's a cop of course now that now that work now that work today because like he works nights he i work days and we never meet each other and it's the only way we can afford child care because we can't afford child care so <laughs> well, child care back then was like hey is there a neighbor we can trust yeah <laughs> yeah because i hear about like people talking about child care because it, it got to a point it's like hey why aren't people getting married and having kids it's like i don't know because people both have to have jobs to afford the place they live at and it's like it's like well if you both have a job then some you gotta send your kid to your kid to child care and then it's like well paying for child kid that's their child care that's like 70 grand a year <laughs> I, I can tell you all about it. It wasn't seventy grand, but it was, it was a car payment every month. Yeah, it's it's like yeah, it was basically you had a job to pay for your child care, and it's like why don't I just quit the job and take care of the child? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like I don't know, health insurance, other crap. So you know, it's, 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 there's other stuff. Oh, I mean, my wife made more money, and that was working part time. She worked part time. Yeah, she made more money than the child care costs because she's a nurse, but. Yeah, if you're not in like a profession or have a job like mine, yeah, it's not worth your time. You're better off just like living in a trailer raising your kid or living in a house <laughs> that you can work on while the kid's growing up. You know, just teach the kid about table saws and stuff early. Like, don't touch. Don't touch. <laughs> We're rebuilding this house. Or you, got, or you got to make sure you have one kid and then make sure they're they're old enough so when you have another kid that that kid can just take care of the other kid when you're not home. <laughs> well we had that too i was a terrible uh, caretaker for you and my sister <laughs> what's nathan doing he's playing with car batteries and knives let him watch the kids <laughs> what's this a homemade flamethrower <laughs> awesome uh we got a news broadcast that's covering the story of the commissioner that got robbed and now she's suddenly died because uh, a gunshot happened at some point so I don't know if it's like they murdered her in the hospital or if she died from. Well, what I remember and... happening was the guy was trying to climb the fence and yeah. he got shotgunned on the fence. And like, that's when the papers flew everywhere out of the case. And then as he was falling off the fence with one arm, hanging on to it with the other arm, he was firing at the cops and it like it hit her like in oh, the okay. shoulder. So like it didn't hit her in the head, but it looked like it hit her in the arm or in the body or something. It wasn't like it didn't even seem like a fatal hit. So yeah. the way it was filmed and the story they're telling you're led to immediately with Murphy become very like oh, something doesn't sit right. Yeah. And then you go to the old internet of that time and like, Q what would QAnon say? You know, <laughs> no, that didn't happen. So that'd be in act one. We have act two. Murphy goes to the commissioner's house uh, trying to come because there's a whole thing where he's talking about there was a car there. You need to look into this. And like, no, there wasn't. You're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> We all know you're crazy. You were a nom. <laughs> you're a nom guy, and you were throwing, you know, North Koreans out of aircraft or whatever was yeah. going on. <laughs> you you flew helicopters in nom, and then as an idiot, you came back to the United States to fly helicopters. You're only going to bring problems. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like going around the house trying to confirm his suspicion that like there are criminals that were staking out the place, and this isn't just some random crime. 
uh and he finds some note that's like written in spanish but like has some like slang on it so later on he gives that to like their local like like gang division guy or whatever to try oh, his old partner montoya oh okay because he spoke the you know that that you know that very obscure language spanish <laughs> like, ah, only Montoya can you know transcribe this in Los Angeles. It's like, yeah, who else speaks Spanish in Los Angeles? But who else can you trust? Well, I thought it had there's some tent that like it had like some like slang in it that would like you would need to like know the local crime slang going on to necessarily oh. decipher it. I I don't know. Like the, you can't you don't even get the note. Like you get you get Thor and some other like Spanish word in there, and that's all you really get. So it's. Uh, and you don't know like why a gang member because it's, it's supposed to be written by a gang member, right? I think because they're so, like yeah. they're basically talk. It's something about, like it's like the local gang put out flyers to tell people like, "Hey, some crazy people are trying to get us to kill each other over something. Don't fall for it." Yeah, <laughs> we know it's called Project Thor or something like that. And none of that's explained. We just like yeah, how do the they movie. know that in like MS thirteen or whatever? <laughs> like, huh. And Roy Schreider's just like, he should have done it in his English accent. He's like, Montoya, you speak the local crunk. Tell me what this means. <laughs> um, uh, Murphy gets called in, like, through his pager. Um, and he gets put back on flying status. They meet with some, like, Washington G-men. Um, they're testing Literally, the like, the archetype of... yeah. Just, although one guy has a bow tie, so he's a bit more eccentric. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the CIA. <laughs> that's the uh, they're, they're testing a new advanced helicopter because the Olympics are coming to town and they want to control, like, terrorism and crime from yep. the sky. Uh, which, which, which with early Murphy's... 80s tech is like, it's in the bag. That's going to work. <laughs> yeah, Murphy's like, yeah, good luck. We tried to do that in Vietnam. It didn't work out. Turns out you can't control the war from the sky, even though you controlled the whole sky. <laughs> yeah, literally didn't have an air force, <laughs> and they fired enough missiles that like damaged the Soviet economy because so many of them missed. They did shoot down a lot of our planes, <laughs> but they shot down more missiles than the planes were worth, or they shot more <laughs> missiles than the planes were worth because they just got excited, like time to fire a missile. You know, it's just like. <laughs> So the, the the blue thunder comes in with the sunrise to its back. It's a really cool shot. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, like every shot does. I mean, the westerns did this. Like everything does this. You know, Top Gun does it. You if you want something to look cool, have the sun coming up in the background and have your your cool tech silhouetted sil, silhouetted in the foreground. <laughs> it's just cool. Yeah. I mean, it's literally you know like you have the the, the saying like riding into the sunset. It's like. That means like your character is going to die essentially, but also means like it looks cool as shit. Yeah, that's America's version of we're going to Valhalla. Is riding <laughs> into the sunset out west. The chopper has like has a bunch of surveillance equipment on it and a turret Gatling gun on it that uh, is c controlled by the the um, the helmet of the pilot, which is, is pretty much just what the Apache helicopter yeah. does. Uh, I'm not sure what development. The Apache was it? Was it already out at this oh, time? The, the Apache was like in doing its flying trials in '76. Okay. So yeah, that thing's been. That's like the Abrams tank. Like it's been around a lot longer than what you think. But they just oh, keep yeah. adding stuff to it. It's like, well, nothing's better. So keep keep with this. <laughs> also, you know, we can't spend tr a trillion dollars, you know, for a new weapon every five years because we're not actually yeah, fighting I, wars, which is 
a good thing. So, yeah, ironically, like a lot of the cool tech that came up around the Reagan era was approved and put in production by the the Carter administration. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll find that out. Because it's actually there's uh, actually a good case to be made for Carter. He's kind of a warmonger. Um, <laughs> people don't think of him that way now, but it's like, yeah, he actually, you know. He was a, a commander of a submarine, you know. I mean, this guy was a smart guy. Let's see. Uh, th there's a crowd of military personnel. They're showing off the helicopter by showing it, like, shooting into, uh, you know, a crowd of, of targets. And there's, like, some are red and some are white, and the red are supposed to be bad guys, and white are supposed to be the, 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 the innocent people. But it just kind of blows up everything. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the work. guy – yeah. There's like a there's some guy narrating and saying he's like ah, it's only gonna hit the, the 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 bad guys and then you see it not and then he doesn't comment on it he just keeps moving on it's yeah, like he, see it works he just keeps his sales pitch going he's just like yep see that, that isn't that cool I did uh, I'll take a, a side road here for the development of this movie because um, we finally seen Blue Thunder so we can talk about it it's basically a I forget. Well, it's like a French gazelle helicopter. Yeah. Um, but it's mocked up to look like an Apache. Yeah. Um, so it actually looks for a movie prop. It looks cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they when John Badham said they for, were, for a movie prop, you know, they just put yeah. a bunch of shit on a helicopter. It still looks good, even though you know exactly what's going on. Yeah. It's, it's like this looks believable. It's like, yeah. Because a full on Apache, like, well, that's nonsense. You wouldn't give that to the police. It's shooting missiles off of it. <laughs> but this is. But like, that's how ridiculous movie is supposed to come off as. It's like they're giving the police military equipment. So. Yeah. What an unthinkable concept. Like, like, <laughs> wow, this is nuts. Um, but anyway, they were talking. To <laughs> and also, more unthinkable is the cops are suspicious. I was like, yeah, you probably shouldn't give us military equipment. We're peace officers. Yeah, unfortunately, like that's the part of the story that didn't become reality where the police are like, this is way too far. No, the police nowadays are like, yeah, can I have a rocket launcher for my control? You know? Where's my javelin? Damn it. Yeah, it's like, whoa, dude. Um, but no, when they were talking to different helicopter, because obviously they couldn't get an Apache. But they did get to talk to military contractors. It's like, what would be the ultimate police helicopter and how would you arm it and stuff? You know, they went and talked to people. It's kind of what, like, you know, um, Tom Clancy would always, like, talk to people. And everyone's like, oh, he's a genius. He has, like, hidden access. He's like, no, he went and asked the guy, you know. And that's, that's what they <laughs> did. But these people said, we'll gladly give you, like, all the ammunition you want to shoot your scenes. Like, we can support you that way. And he's like, well, that's cool. You know, thanks. Thanks. Uh, they found out it was like live ammunition. It's like, we can't do this on a movie set. <laughs> the guy's like, no, it's free. You can have it. It's like, no, no, you don't understand. Because they were going to give him an actual like rotary Gatling gun with all this <laughs> ammo. It's like, yeah, it'll look cool. You can shoot great scenes with it. It's like, we can't fire at our camera people and our set people That's with armor-piercing rounds. <laughs> fired from the air so they were like really grateful but they're like yeah we can't do that like safety rules won't let us do that this kind of stuff um but yeah they basically that these helicopters these gazelle helicopters they did they built these brilliant mock-ups uh they built two and a bunch of remote control small ones that they could also shoot with oh, okay yeah. um they said the reason they built two is as john badham had learned it's like well one of these things is always going to fail the day you show up to shoot 
<laughs> so they had two that externally looked identical, but there was only one that was an internally shooting model where you could shoot the inside of it. The other one did not have all the stuff inside it. So, uh, but the the weight carrying limit of these things beyond their weight was twelve hundred pounds. With all the mock-ups on them and everything, that was the exact. They were at the limit <laughs> of what that helicopter could handle. So that's why they built two because they're like, well, these things are going to overheat and burn up because they had like expert pilots there, and also the FAA had to approve these at every step. <laughs> like you had to get FAA approval, just like we learned in um, uh, what was it Red Dawn? Like you had to get yeah. FAA approval to fly these things uh, because it's like, yeah, that's not safe. You can't do that. So they had to actually build them. So they weren't just going to fall out of the sky and kill people. But, uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting how it's like, yeah, we found these cool helicopters. We found a way to to make them look like some kind of quasi-military slash police thing. But also we're at the max end of what the engine can handle. And, <laughs> um, and they didn't yeah, fly very well. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's the, one of the weight things, weight things for is that because they had the Gatling gun up front. It was very – the nose was very heavy. So they had to put a counterweight in the back so it could fly right, which basically means you had to add more weight to your helicopter that you want to make that you have a turbo button for. <laughs> yeah, they they said it was it was actually um, when the stunt pilots were flying, and they did actually fly some stuff. They didn't. They did a lot. A lot of the stuff was done with a remote control helicopter that was. Um, and the and the close up filming they did of course in a in a set but they did a good you know they did did some good job but they said like the actual helicopter helicopters where they just put like wood guns on the little bell helicopters like those were way more maneuverable than the blue thunder was <laughs> because it was so heavy and it was just at the at the maximum capacity so yeah they said that was kind of funny it's like, yeah, Malcolm McDowell's bad guy helicopter could actually fly circles around Blue Thunder. <laughs> it, did, it just had a couple pieces of wood on the outside that looked like machine guns. Uh, so, yeah. I'll take another quick diversion, speaking of live ammo on a set. I've never seen this movie, and, and propaganda, which we talked about before. <laughs> There's a movie called Act of Valor, uh, which I've never seen because it didn't look very good. But the cool thing about it is that Basically, they stitched together a movie out of live training exercises with the Navy SEALs. Okay, cool. So all the all the ammo, well, I'm not sure all of it, but a lot of the scenes in the movie where they're shooting up a place is just real bullets being fired in a training exercise that the Navy SEALs are executing. Okay. <laughs> because the Navy SEALs don't train with blanks. They train with live ammo. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? <laughs> But yeah, it was you know it was one of those post nine eleven movies and rah rah stuff and interesting production stuff. But I don't think it has any. And I know people have seen it like yeah that movie's cool, which I'm pretty sure it has cool scenes in it. But I, I doubt it like works as a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like so. What was the actor's from. motivation in that? And how did the director? You know, yeah, it's like no, it's not <laughs> one of those movies. We tried not to shoot the camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to film this trying to shoot any of my production staff in the head. I'm going to need them later. But I was also around the time where you could have, like, the digital cameras were small enough that you could just put them anywhere, hit go, and then walk away, and then film your scene. Yeah. <laughs> and then stitch it together afterwards. Yeah, just, yeah, hit play and get to, the, like, the minimum safe distance after you hit record. It's like, okay, go ahead, guys. Do your stuff. Whatever. Like, just holding up a, you know, bullet 
uh, flak jacket so you don't get hit. Well, I remember one, there's like one scene that's pretty much it seems like that scene out of Predator where they just light up the woods with all their weapons. Yeah, and it's like a scene. It's in the it's in the trailer, so I know of it. Where like they pull up in like one of those like patrol boat things, and they have like fifty cows and like f- like five fifty cows on the deck of this thing, and they just open up on this mock village, and it's real bullets just ripping this place apart. <laughs> <laughs> and you know they have cameras that like they're basically that the bullets are flying around. It's like yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I remember they uh, I, those the Walking Dead. I think it was like season three, and some people that apparently knew you know knew a lot about guns. Uh, remember they had the the one group had the tank, had like an actual tank. Yeah. Like it was like it wasn't an Abrams, but it was like one of the older like M60 tanks or whatever. Whatever these people had, well, it had a 50 caliber on the top of it. And this is when the guys were hiding, or, or their their fortress was the prison. I don't know if you remember that season of The Walking yeah, Dead. Yeah. Okay, and people pointed out it's like because they never fired the fifty caliber cannon; it was just sitting there, and they were threatening people. They actually fired the tank gun, the main <laughs> gun, but they never fired the fifty. And people pointed out it's like you know, with that gun in a cinder block building, they could just sit out there and kill everyone in the building that stayed in there <laughs> with that 50 caliber. Cause they could just top stop from the, or start from the bottom and work their way up. And that 50 caliber would go through both ends of that prison. Like no problem. And <laughs> we're like, well, no. And then finally the producer said, it's like, yeah, the 50 caliber is here. That's wood. It doesn't actually shoot. And we're not going <laughs> to spend the money on a TV show budget. <laughs> where we have like 5,000 extras playing zombies. We don't have the money to like demonstrate a, you know, free fire exercise <laughs> caliber. So it was, yeah, it was like, thanks for your input, but we're, that's not the show we're making. But it was funny. It's like, I never even thought of it. It's like, oh, yeah, they could just lay siege to that building with that thing. And because the people inside were alive, they were humans, not zombies. So if they yeah. even get winged by that thing, yeah, they're, they're screwed. You know, it's over. <laughs> Yeah, in a place that's uh, that's uh, it's hard to get medical supplies and support and all that stuff. Yeah, they just just you know, kill them with like blood poisoning from concrete being injected into their skin. Yeah, and then how the universe works—they just turn to zombies anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so you got to shoot them anyway. So because you don't got to like get infected to be a zombie, you just have to die. <laughs> it was always a unique thing of The Walking Dead. It was just like death brought it on. So it's like, yeah. Grandma's dead, we're sad. It's like, quick, somebody stab her through the eye with a screwdriver. <laughs> She's going to come back and infect us all. It's like, that was always an added boost of darkness to their universe. <laughs> or later um, on in the show, you could just casually stab people through the head with keys or something. It's like, <laughs> what? No, that takes a lot of force to go through a skull. Uh, but anyway, Blue Thunder. Uh, in one of the, they're at the, the crowd. Uh, watching the the demonstration of the Blue Thunder, uh, and one of the robbers is there. This is like the D grade, like Timothy Dalton. Yes, <laughs> he's one of the, he's like the hitman of this. Like I don't know, he's like a freelance hitman for this corporation of military equipment. And this guy whatever. was like the generic bad guy of the eighties. <laughs> See, I and then this is where Malcolm Dow shows up. He is Cochran. Uh, he's the helicopter pilot that's flying the Blue Thunder here. Uh, he and Murphy have a, a history from Vietnam, uh, which I assumed he would be a, you know, some British personnel. But apparently later on, they just said he's in the U.S. Army. So, you know, that can happen. So, yeah. Yeah, that weirdly, like, I've 
seen guys like there are I've seen interviews with guys like that. It, it's like, oh, it's General So and So, and he has like this British accent. It's like, yeah, he just he was either in a country that was like U.S. adjacent, and he joined the military, or like, oh no, he was raised over there, but his dad was a you know whatever. So it's like, yeah, you could be in the U.S. Yeah. military and be a foreigner. It's not that uncommon. Yeah. It's a path to citizenship sometimes. So. Yeah. I mean, you can be in the uh, French Foreign Legion and be an American. <laughs> yeah. Just understand you're going to be used as cannon fodder and you're never <laughs> going to speak French adequately to speak the French. So. Uh, Murphy and Lyman Good are being assigned to fly the Blue Thunder over a civilian population. So that's what's going on here. Is that the, like, oh, the Blue Thunder is going to be a new helicopter for the police force. But here's where, like, Murphy, like, distrusts this. It's like, what, we're going to use we're going to put weapons on a police helicopter. Isn't that illegal? <laughs> Which I don't know if it is or not, but <laughs> I would assume it is for reasons we'll discuss with late things that happen later in the movie. Why, why you don't want to be slewing guns around <laughs> one of the most densely packed metropolitan areas in the United States. It's probably not a good idea, but uh, it's like the next day and Cochran and Murphy are doing some tests, but Cochran sabotaged some like linkage in Murphy's helicopter. There's also talk about like Murphy doing a loop in the helicopter, which is set up as being it's unbelievable, it's physically impossible. <laughs> so yeah. you know it's gonna happen eventually. Yeah, we're just setting that up for later in the movie. And see, this is one of the logical fallacies of the movie, is like cause day one on the testing range, Murphy and Cochran hate each other. And like Murphy, played by Roy Schreider, is incessantly mocking Cochran's accent. You know, Roy Schreider has a great British accent, by the way. Because he just makes it sound as ridiculous as it seems, and uh, and this is going on constantly. And but these people are yet no. It's like this is the guy who's got to test it. He's like, he's obviously a problem, but yeah, go ahead, let yeah, turn him loose in the secret, super secret helicopter. Because what could go wrong? Because we're because by the way, these guys are obviously like doing something other than what they say. These people are bad yeah. from from the word go, and it's <laughs> obvious to the audience they are. For some reason, no one else sees it for all their <laughs> logic, except Murphy and Lyman Good, too. Uh, Murphy's chopper has a malfunction. They crash land the chopper in like a construction site. And at first it's like, oh, the construction people are coming to help get them out of the helicopter that's about to catch on fire. No, they're very angry at them. and They're trying to beat them up for crashing. And they almost their killed us. <laughs> well, they crashed in Watts. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Psychologically, that means something to people who lived in Los Angeles in the 60s, especially people uh, who might have voted for Ronald Reagan, um, <laughs> who was the governor when the Watts riots happened, and actually used some pretty colorful language to describe what he thought of that. I am not going <laughs> to say it. Look it up. Uh, Nixon was president then, right? So yes. that was another thing he had to deal with. Yeah. Probably poorly. Poorly. <laughs> no, I mean, as well as you can deal with anything on benzodiazepine and whiskey. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're ready for action. Uh, we got the Murphy is out with his girlfriend and her kid. They go to some like train yard or whatever. Here's where Murphy meets up with his, like you said, his old partner. And he, he deciphers the note he found at the commissioner's house. Oh, and this is where we learn that uh, Murphy's girlfriend drives like one of the characters in Fast and the Furious, too, <laughs> uh, which is important later in the movie. Yeah, she does a U-turn on a, like a one-way lane highway and just like, and he's like, you're going the wrong way. And she's like, well, I won't say anything if you don't. Yeah, it's like dodging. It's like the Matrix chase <laughs> you know, on the yeah. motorcycle. It wasn't that crazy, but it was funny. 
uh but you know it's 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 that kind of because it's a movie you can be playfully irresponsible if somebody did this in real life it's like lock them up for life yeah if candy <laughs> clark does it it's like oh she's like a 70s hottie it's like it's cool did anyone really get hurt really yeah it's cool she's hot she's a hottie let it happen uh i was also talking about like the the urban violence program or like they're looking into the urban violence and there's like a report that's gonna be released and it's a thing uh what are Murphy we gonna do another... with the minorities <laughs> uh murphy has another nom flashback uh i think it's really like the he's like he's falling asleep with like the kid like uh like all sleeping on his chest or something like that but like in his mind he's just having a nom flashback because <laughs> at first it's like it's cute but it's like oh no it's terrible <laughs> yeah, like the kid's sitting there asleep and happy and she's like oh it's peaceful and they're like he's sweating asleep <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> what's going on here uh i guess you know i guess we could we can uh, detail the non-flashback it's just him flying a helicopter and somebody is like shooting and presumably an unarmed civilian that's thought to have some information just like shooting them in the head and then them falling out of the helicopter no no they shoot not, them, they're just no, tossing they them out them. they're just throwing them out to I'm die just, okay, yeah. <laughs> and for some reason that's uh, given him a flashback he could just be easily be like i was just flying i i you know, I, I didn't throw the guy out. Well, I mean, they do like, I mean, <laughs> I, we know like the, the stuff you can see from a helicopter. It's like, man, you got to have a good eye or or binoculars. But how we've established in the movie is that he has unreal vision from the helicopter. Yeah, he can, he can see things see at you. night without night vision. Like, yeah, get the spotlight <laughs> over there. And Lyman Good's like, how'd you see that? And he's like, just get a light over there, you know. So it isn't just like a guy got thrown in the helicopter. To him, it's like he saw all details of this man's death screaming as he dies. Yeah, he saw him hit the ground, you know, as far as we know. And they weren't playing Fortunate Son (laughs) while they were doing it. So it wasn't as artful as most of the Vietnam Wars portrayed. It ain't me. I ain't no senator, (laughs) son. Oh no. Uh it's the next day Murphy and Lyman Good are, are shown the blue thunder. Um it, it this is where they show up the cannon that tracks with the pilot's helmet. Uh although like, they cut to like the pilot's helmet has like you know like a green grid on it. It's very computerized. I don't know how it actually works in the uh, Apache helicopter. I imagine it's a bit more it's not like that. It's just kind of like there's a scope and a target and that works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like reversed image and you got to be like a, almost an astronaut to understand how. Because <laughs> that's the thing, like in movies, especially of this era, it's like, oh, pilots are hot dogs and crazy. It's like, no, they're actually highly trained technicians and experts at what they're <laughs> doing. And they're pretty conservative uh, because they are flying through the air at the speed of sound. Like they don't need to go nuts and you know do loop de loops. It's only movies that make them interesting like that. Well, it's also like the the thing about like kid logic, but as it comes to like helicopters, because when you're a kid, it's like, well, look what a helicopter to do. It can hover in in place. Like you put missiles and guns on that thing. That's the ultimate killing machine. Like nothing can stop it. And you realize like, well, almost, actually almost anything can stop a helicopter. A helicopter barely survives, exists unto itself. Anything goes wrong and it's dead. <laughs> yeah, because when it stops, when the engine stops on a plane, like, oh, we might be able to like glide this in. Yeah. No, when the engine stops on a helicopter, you just it's like throwing a bowling ball off of a building. 
<laughs> and also, you can bring them. You know those. Uh, you ever seen those wrenches? You know the 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 four link uh, wrenches for changing tires, where they got the pry bar on one end. And if you're in the mountains and you throw one of those in the blades of a helicopter that's attacking you, like it's gonna crash. It's like, <laughs> or a stinger missile, uh, as the Russians found out. Like the, what we learned from Charlie Wilson's War. That's when the uh, hind pilots became cosmonauts because they would fly. <laughs> basically almost in the upper atmosphere so they didn't get hit by moosh guys using stingers so yeah helicopters are are they're like a10 warthogs they're like that's really destructive till you fire a heat-seeking missile at it then not so much well i mean a warthog can take a hit <laughs> helicopter can't <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah uh, um but you know, like what you but also like, you know, when you're a kid, it's like, oh, a helicopter can fly six hundred miles an hour. It's like, no. Like helicopters are faster than cars, but they're not faster than the jets. So. No. <laughs> Only Airwolf can the helicopter like <laughs> hit the turbo button and like like nozzles would come out and it would it's like, why are the blades not snapping off? <laughs> Don't you know about the like the you know the the shock uh the shock front that's created by breaking the speed of sound? I didn't know this as a kid. I was like, yes, they can do that, obviously. We must spend more to develop this airwolf blue thunder technology or we will all become communists. The Soviets will <laughs> defeat us with their superior technology. I remember I came up with an action scene when I was a kid, and though I think it probably could still work. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, I was thinking, like, well, how do you eject out a helicopter? It's like, you can't. It'd have to, like, blow the blades off first. Uh, but there is, like, a helicopter that does that. <laughs> yeah, it was in Goldeneye. Uh, I'm not sure if they still make it, but I can't remember which copter it was. But I thought of the idea of like a character getting in a helicopter and realizing, I can't fly this shit. But then they get surrounded by bad guys and the helicopter blade's spinning and then they pull the ejector seat and the blades fly off and kill all the guys surrounding the helicopter. And they're like, they're like, yay! And then the, the thing blows up. I think the, the, or the, the, uh, the ejection seat blows up. I think the Eurocopter does that. Okay, yeah, yeah. They, they have they, they have an equivalent to our hind or not our our hind they have an equivalent apache. to our apache um it's not okay. as good because the dutch and the british and a bunch of people i was surprised all the foreign countries that do you know who uses the apache more than us or, or i mean the next numerical largest user of the apache is after us well i want to say mexico but tell me <laughs> saudi arabia Okay. They love those things. They just that's the best thing. It's like, yes, give me tent. Can you plate them in gold? You know, it's it's they love those. Which is crazy because the thing with the Saudi military is that's not very big because the royal family that runs the country, they don't want a bunch of armed men sitting around like all this oil money, we could have this if we just shot the right people. <laughs> so I was amazed they have like a hundred Apache helicopters, but <laughs> It makes sense. I mean, they're cool. I think I've said this story before, and I don't know where to look, but you can find it on the internet. Is There is a video out there of the Mexican government uh, cracking down on a cartel with a f***ing Apache oh, yeah, helicopter. Yeah. And so, like, usually when you see stuff like that, like, I don't think I've seen, like, war footage in an Apache helicopter other than, like, you see it firing and you don't see what it hits. And you can see, like, test footage where they're firing at, you know, some things. But, like, in this situation, they're using it in a f***ing city, and you see, like, you see an Apache helicopter shoot up a truck, and you know how big a truck is, and it just, like, folds this thing in half. And you're like, holy sh that's what that thing does to people. 
Yeah, it's like yeah, <laughs> that's a, <laughs> yeah, it's like this Apache just firing missiles from pods at like a truck. It's like what the hell? Well, no, it's just firing its cannon. Oh, not just missiles. firing the can. Okay, I thought it was just firing the, just the cannon cars. itself. Just like folds this truck in half, and you can and you can't see you don't see people die, but you know people are dead. Yeah, you're pretty sure that I mean they're not walking out of that. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, when you see like, but that's an instance where they used a military helicopter, like in a you know in a civilian populous place. You know, it wasn't under, you know, it wasn't a war zone. It was, it was just you know the state doing its thing, and yeah, it's like oh yeah, that's terrifying. Fifteen. <laughs> the, huh? the Mexican military. Uh, I forget. I can't pronounce the name. They have fifteen Heinz. <laughs> or Apaches. Or Apaches. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Uh, I love the Japanese. They have their hind, or I mean their Apache. It's like got a different <laughs> designation. It's called something different, but it's called the ja Japan Self Defense Ground Force. <laughs> <laughs> they have 12 Apache 64 six, uh, Ds, but they put a different engine in it. They put their own engine in it, but everything else is the same. Huh. Oh, the Israeli Air Force has like 55 of them. Indian Air Force has 28. The Greeks have 28. The Egyptians have 50. Yeah, the Saudi Arabians have like 68 of these things. <laughs> Singapore and South Korea has a bunch. The Republic of China, which we also know as Taiwan, has like 30. Oh, the Emiratis have 30 of them. <laughs> the UK has... Uh, Oh, the UK has almost 70, but they have the ones they built themselves. Oh, okay. It's called the Augusta Westland, which is basically we sent them all the parts. It's like, okay, you put them together. So, so you can say your people built them. But they still call them how Apaches many, over there, which is weird. How, how, how many do we have? <laughs> 1,800. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I don't know Yeah, how many of those are at, because those have been upgraded like, 20 times so because it started off as a i forget who now boeing makes them they still make them by the way i think they make them uh -huh. to sell i don't think they make them for us but yeah we got a bunch of them the chopper has a special tape hard drive that the, that needs to be changed regularly so it's just i mean it's literally just a vhs tape here but like it's i mean that's but it has the special, we can erase it from anywhere, storage sleeve. <laughs> yeah. Which is important. It's like, how are they doing that? Okay, cool. Uh, the, the captain warns Murphy that basically the government guys are out to get him, so he needs to be careful around Cochrane, which this just kind of comes out of nowhere. It's like, wait, why are they targeting Murphy? <laughs> why do they need him? Well, again, this is where this uh, logic of this movie like just completely jumps off a cliff, but it's still fun. Yeah, yeah. It's like... Yeah, what was their original plan with Murphy? Like, was it just an accident? Just, just, just Cochran was like, I don't want him here. So, like, let's make a grand conspiracy so he's not here. And it's like on the verge of us having another conspiracy. I don't know, whatever. You know? Yeah, well, it's stupid because, I mean, okay, let, I'm going to reveal a secret here. Lyman Good dies later on. It's like <laughs> you could have just killed Murphy like that. You didn't have to, like, try to sabotage a helicopter and have it crash. Um, you know, it, yeah, th this is where this movie's like, 
I don't know what you what do you call this like shaping the narrative it's like we have to get all these things in so this guy does this yeah so we're going to come up with the most like ir- irrational illogical things to get him to this point but you enjoy the ride uh, well i just fun. i just i felt like like the, it sounded like they're setting murphy up for something but that at the end of the, the movie it's like wait what was he being set up for like what's he taking a fall for no <laughs> like it's like cochran's are, ego he... that's what he's taking a fall for. <laughs> yeah um, but they make it seem like they were going to kill him and that was going to spark something, but it's like, no, they're just going to kill him. But anyways, yeah. Uh, Murphy and Lyman good take, uh, the blue thunder out for a test drive. Lyman good is testing out the long range audio and here they're doing a surveillance. At, they're checking out, they're doing video surveillance and also super long range, uh, microphone or, uh, yeah. Microphones. Yeah. They're using uh, rifle I, mics essentially. <laughs> Uh, and they and they're spying in on a guy who's trying to pick up a sex worker. And like, I thought it was just, oh, it's a guy putting in an order for food. But then you realize, oh, it's all a euphemism because the guy can't just like literally pay somebody for sex. Yes, it's like I want some sushi. Yeah, it's like, like really. It's like it may that sounds worse. Can you just say uh, intercourse? It's like oh, I want sushi. It's like oh, you want a California roll? It's like what is that? Herpes? What what am I getting here? I don't know if I want that. Um. Uh, yeah, and then, and then like yeah, the the camera focuses on the cleavage on the lady, and like like uh, Lyman Goods like trying to grab the cleavage on the video screen, making him a pathetic weirdo. Yeah, he's like it's like gonna have a spank almost in front of his. Boss. <laughs> like that never. That's number one. Seeing things on a screen is not that exciting then or now. So I don't know. It seemed like overacting and stupid. Yeah, they're trying to have fun, and then years later, it just comes off as creepy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I want to. Oh, I too want to exploit this woman because <laughs> you know she wants to have sex with strange men for money because she likes the sex, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Uh, they turn whisper mode on here. It's just a. Uh, you know it wasn't a real thing then it did become a real thing yeah. later on so that's why we lost uh, yeah killing bin laden we lost one because of whisper mode but yeah <laughs> uh they spot a highway patrol bike uh murphy knows the guy so they kind of they 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 turn the microphones on they don't see it but they hear the guy having sex through his like with the micro with the microphones and so they blast it back the sex sounds back at on the speaker as like a prank and then move away so which a, I I, did, I saw that as unrealistic because that would create a massive feedback loop. <laughs> they didn't have a delay or a gate on that at all. I immediately picked up on like, no, that would, <laughs> that would just be like, Wah! but, you know, it's a movie, so it's fun. Uh, the chopper has a list of everyone in its databanks because like I, I can't. Well, I I would like to say the Internet, but I think they they make it seem like it's just on the, the hard drive, not necessarily like it's getting like an update from like a database or anything i'm not sure because they do say something about like yeah the fa approves it or whatever i can't remember but um anyways yeah. they can just basically just start looking people up and so yeah uh, lyman good looks up his names like hey they got my info here and then they look up murphy's file and it's, it's it says it's not found but it's also listed as under repair yeah so that's like a that's the suspicious thing where it's like they're setting him up for something but no um uh they're supposed to land but they spot Cochran leaving, and so they 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 run off and with the chopper and use it to spy on him. Here, with Project Doors, like mentioned, and like with a question, or I put a question mark because it's like we know it's a thing, but you don't know what it is. Ah, uh, it's an acronym, the silliest <laughs> acronym I've heard in a long time. 
tactical <laughs> helicopter offensive response. Okay. Which is like they would actually probably do that to fit that. Because like Thor sounds cool. Make words to match it. It's like, no, this yeah. sounds silly, but yeah. That uh, Have you heard of this before? You know what that's called, Nathan? Yeah, it's an acronym. No, that's a it's specifically for you come up with the acronym first and then you justify it afterward. They call it a backronym. <laughs> no sh <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Never heard that before. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Uh, which I do all the time. And Everyone like, does it. They do it in yeah. real life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, what are you going to call your missile? Like, Saber. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, stop actualizing. You know, it's going to make up some word. I'm not that good at improv, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they use the ver there's like night vision. They also have a uh, infrared camera, not infrared, uh, thermal vision camera. Here it's very rudimentary, so I'm not sure what they're using at, at this time. It might have been a real thermal vision camera because it was, you know, it's the the fun. I remember they tried to use it in in Predator, which came like uh, like a, a few years, a couple of years later, or like I think it was like '86 or something like that, and like. They had it basically had to have a whole semi to make it work, and it barely worked then. Yeah. And then the, the my favorite one is in Robocop. The way they did it is that they just dressed people up in suits that look like thermal imagery. <laughs> Much more practical solution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> once, once you know that, it's amazing because you're like, I never thought I was like, oh, I just thought it was thermal vision. It's like, no, it's a dude in a blue suit with like a red crotch and a red head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah otherwise we're bringing in the semi truck and <laughs> for this thing to Rob crash like every second yeah robocop don't got that money <laughs> so yeah the spying on cochran uh the, here they here it's it's a great it's like the greatest like conspiracy meeting ever where everyone just says out loud that all the bad things they're doing and what need to be done <laughs> this is what every this is what guys like alex jones like hope for it's like i want yeah. something this obvious it's like it never happens but which you know we see all the trouble that like legal trouble that trump gets in and how he gets out of it all the time is like well, like you know could be could be a witch hunt of some sort but like there's a reason he always gets into trouble and there's a reason he never gets in trouble yeah <laughs> because he's 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 smart enough not to say the 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 thing he means out loud and he's also dumb enough to not know like what he did wrong <laughs> well it's like it's called the goldfinger effect like everyone expects that now it's like ah mr bond i have you and there's a laser <laughs> running towards your crotch so now i know you're not going to be a threat in like five seconds i'm going to reveal my whole plot like, bad people in real life, they don't even reveal their plots to the people they're working with <laughs> because no one trusts anyone. So, yeah, I always love these scenes where it's like, ah, come on, guys, we're going to talk about how it works. I mean, even that stuff where, like, you know, like, in the election, like, Trump was calling up somebody. He's like, we need to find 40,000 votes. Now, I'm not saying do anything illegal, but we need yeah. to find 40,000 votes. And then, like, they get, you know, he's like, well, he's telling somebody to rig an election. It's like, I said not to rig the election. Did I say that? I said not to rig it. All right. I'm not in trouble yeah. here. <laughs> that, that is why Trump is the greatest political genius since Nixon, because it's like, nobody's that stupid and simple-minded. That doesn't work. It's like, oh, yeah, actually, it does. It's like, 
I don't have to pay my contractors. It's like, no, no, they signed a contract. It says you do. It's like, no, I said I don't have to pay them. You know, it's, a, <laughs> it's like it's just this wild universe of like I never said I wasn't going to pay them. They're, they're acting like I'm committing a crime. Like I, I just I just didn't pay them. I didn't say I wasn't going to pay them, but I'm not paying them. You know, and it's like. This has worked for this guy so much. <laughs> it's like, yeah, keep well, going. You just ride it to the most. He was literally, this jackass was the most powerful <laughs> man in the world at one time. This guy who was on TV entertaining cretins, making them think like they too could be a billionaire, controlled 15,000 nuclear weapons at one time. I mean, he didn't use them, thank God. But, you know, it's like, yeah. But and it's also like the that he drum, is that like one using, note, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it always works, never fails. Well, also he's like he, he uses the dumbest, most obvious reverse psychology. Yeah. It's like, don't commit crimes for me, and everyone knows what he means is commit crimes for me, so I can get ahead. And but like when you go to the tape and the thing, what did he say? Well, he literally said, "Don't commit crime." So I guess he's not at fault for it. And it just happens to be that all the people around him started committing crimes. I, I do like it that the guy he talked to, who I think was like the was was that like the the commissioner, like the Republican commissioner of elections in Georgia, was the yeah. one guy who figured out, hey, everyone who does what this guy says always ends up in prison with him renouncing them as being a loser. I don't think I'm going to play that role for Donald Trump. I mean, I'm a Republican in Georgia who wears a three-piece suit, which that's already kind of marks me out as a some kind of weird cretin or at least servant of evil. But guess what? I'm not falling for it this time. That's the one guy who thwarted trump's like magic <laughs> it's like he came from a small village and he defeated sauron it's like <laughs> it's like it's not really that exciting a story but it is because he was the one guy who figured out like hey this guy has screwed over everyone who he's ever been in a conspiracy with and it's like, God, why did my attorney go to prison for paying off the woman I slept with with campaign funds? Well, because he's a loser. And everyone's like, you're right. He's a loser. That's <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do with the fact that he committed crimes on my behalf and then I betrayed him. No, that's that's vulgar. Don't say that. You can't prove that. So, I mean, the guy's a genius. Like everyone else is like. Like, Obama's, like, trying to be a real human being and president. Like, for all Obama's failings, it's like, I don't think he was a bad person. Trump's just a bad guy. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, and everyone's going to fall in line. It's like, oh, I'm going to be the one person he doesn't screw over. This literal, like, singularity of narcissism and self-destruction. It's like, oh, I'm going to tame this tempest. It's like, okay, good luck. Good luck with that. No one has. Also, weirdly, like the way they think, like, oh, Obama, he was a p just a soft and like, uh, like, like Trump, he's a real hard headed person. He's stronger than us. It's like, do you know Obama? Like, I, I know your political affiliation, so you'll love this. Do you know what president kicked more minorities out of this country than anybody else? Well, yeah, I know. President Obama. Yeah. <laughs> not Trump, not Bush, Obama. Do you want to know who ordered and successfully killed? Uh, who signed off more, killed more yeah, foreigners? Death warrants. Yeah. Obama. Yep. <laughs> of Americans. 
who were in the Middle East, like preaching, like doing propaganda for, uh, who was it? Then it's not ISIS. Um, the other one, Al Qaeda. Yeah, yeah. American citizens. Obama's like, yep, kill him. Oh, uh, yep. <laughs> Can I watch on the camera thing? Can we get in the meeting room and yeah, okay, this is what we have to do. But yeah, he's a. Who was the one guy that was in charge when we killed uh, Bin Laden? <laughs> Obama. Yeah. And sat there in a room and watched it. <laughs> like, didn't just order it and like, I don't want to see the blood. It's like, no, get some high definition cameras on their show. <laughs> we're doing this alien style where we're going in. We're going to see their heartbeats. We're going to have the cameras on the helmets. We're going to watch somebody die. Only Hillary Clinton pretended to be upset by it when she was like, oh, I can't believe it's like, yeah, a bunch of psychopaths went into a room with machine guns and shot a guy. How, how impressive and scary. Um, so anyways, we're in this evil boardroom <laughs> meeting. Uh, the commissioner was killed to cover up something that was going on. Uh, that was She was going to reveal the bad thing about the Blue Thunder pro and Thor project, which is basically that's the same thing. Blue Thunder is just the vehicle of the Thor project. Essentially they essentially they had all these hitman guys, comically evil guys going into like minority communities and just like creating crime so that other like, you know, crime bosses in the area would think the other guys and they're just causing, causing a ruckus so that then they could sell million dollar helicopters to the police department. That is the entire plot of this movie. And it sounds stupid, but guess what? If you read, you know, stuff about what the CIA was doing in the 80s, it's like, oh, this actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is not a, you know, I mean, you don't, you don't just have to read like Freeway Rick Ross, even though that's the most yeah. compelling stuff to read. Uh, there's other stories that like, yeah, this was real. Hey, you know, the CIA can't operate in the United States, but you know what? Somebody who was in the CIA and now is at a corporation, they can operate in the United States. <laughs> Someone who's a colonel uh, in the Marines uh, can operate as a cutout between, like the uh, you know Iran Contra people and the uh, and the CIA, yeah, you because know, like the Contra funding was supposed to come from like drug money for, raised from selling crack in the United States. Because it's like, oh, we're going to screw the Iranians and minorities in America. It's a, it's. It, what, what did Nixon and Kissinger call that? Trilateral diplomacy? <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, you screw the other two guys over and you get the best deal for yourself. Um, and I, I guess maybe we should point out that the, the commissioner is a black lady. So, you know, that could, you know, you know the, the, the person who's assassinated this movie is a black lady. Yeah, I mean, so. th that's why this movie's like way ahead of its time and its message. <laughs> it's like this is they're hitting on all the points. Uh, just wait 40 years before it was a thing. And then also there's there where they say that like they need to kill Murphy and, and like guys like you want to take care of him. You mean like we assassinate him correctly. We like we order a murder on him. And yeah. Like, I like how yes, government <laughs> operatives like, oh, you need to clear that up for me. Like take care of him. Like, what do you want me to do? Give him a sponge bath? No, kill him. <laughs> dumbass. That's, that's what I want you to do. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Uh, of course, the, the you know the Blue Thunder is getting this all on tape. Uh, Cochrane spots them is. spying, um, which was actually a cool scene because <laughs> you see the curtains open, yeah, and then you see him on well, the uh, thermal. like we're looking we're looking at the infrared screen, yeah. So we see him like opening the the things, and we cut to like the reverse, where it's just the the Blue Thunder comically hovering outside the window. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that probably goes on for the way it's shot. It looks like it goes on for. It's like we're okay. He sees us. We're gonna hover here for two minutes. <laughs> no, in real life, people. <laughs> but they're in whisper mode, <laughs> yeah. which means they don't generate any lift. No, they don't say that. But that's why the other helicopter crashed, supposedly. So they run off back to base. Uh, Murphy has a meeting with Braddock. He gets chewed out again. Uh, yeah, because he, he was doing the fake out. radio garble. Like, oh, yeah. communication's not coming through. And Braddock's like, <laughs> you know, we figured that out two days after Marconi filed his patent, that that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> that's, again, some great Braddock dialogue. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lyman Good takes one of the hard drives. Uh, Lyman Good gets home. And he's like assaulted and tied up and gagged. They're looking for the tape. They break uh, one of his fingers. Yeah. <laughs> and they say they're just going to like keep breaking fingers and legs and knees. But then Lyman Good kind of like gets free and makes a run for it. But his hands are still tied behind his back. Uh, the hitman guy is like chasing him with a car. And there's always a thing in movies where like someone's like running straight from a car. So at least here he's running straight for the car. And then, you know, he just moves yeah. laterally and then the car wrecks so it's like yeah that's what you're supposed to do so yeah you'll <laughs> never a beat very... a car in a straight line <laughs> remember you can turn instantly it has to like do move in an arc <laughs> it's not a leopard where it's just gonna like move its leg one over <laughs> but he ends up like but because it's awkward having his hands tied like i don't know, I, I don't know if he has a hitman or if this is just daniel stir but he's really booking it cause, yeah because they put a camera in the car following him and he's like out running the camera car <laughs> youth is a hell of a thing yeah i couldn't do that when i was young <laughs> uh but then eventually the hitman guy runs him over and kills him so it's kind of a brutal like run over scene because it's pretty like on spot the whole time yeah. it's not like oh ah and then you see headlights it's like no they show him getting like run over it's crazy no the thing that, that really sells it is that his hands were bound you know with like tape and as soon as he gets run over his hands are unbound which means like there's enough force to like rip the tape apart yeah. with his hand <laughs> which i know that's not really that you you can do that but it's still that's a lot of force yeah oh yeah <laughs> Uh, I, I guess it would make it probably sell better if you had handcuffs on and those shit like snapped off. <laughs> that, that would be like, oh, wow. Did they just break his hand through the cuffs? Like the, all the bones in his hand break? It's like, how brutal can we make it? It was tough because uh, you didn't want him to die because he was like a 12-year-old kid. Just, you know, just having fun with tech and boobs. So that's in Act 2. We have Act 3. Murphy's now wanted by the police, uh, like in suspicion of the death of Lyman Goods. So. That makes sense. <laughs> well, that's what it showed, like how much these like corporate guys have controls that you know they have the ear of. Uh, I, yeah, it's weird. It's like oh, you have the ear of the people in power, but you still need to like keep this lie going and make sure nobody gets the truth because like that's gonna hurt you somehow. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, so he checks his answering machine, but he gets like a leaning me leading message from Lyman Good uh, to go look in the the Blue Thunder. So Murphy sneaks into the Blue Thunder, and earlier there's like they're they're uh, when they're first getting in the Blue Thunder, they they because uh, Lyman Good's kind of like the nerd, and also like he they 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 he says at one point that he was in the Navy and he worked with all his hard drives and stuff in the Navy, so he knows all this tech stuff, and so he took out the um what do you call that <laughs> not the resistor what's the uh the fuse 
the fu- he took out the fuse for the cockpit recorder and so uh it's a really cool fuse like you push in it comes out tilts down there's multiple fuses and you can put one back in and push it back in uh i wonder what that thing is i like want stuff i'm sure it's like terrible for electronics if it's even a thing but it's like i want stuff like that for like a like my own custom board to do things yeah just look up avionics fuses i'm sure that it's, it's probably an actual thing um so he gets the idea. It's like, okay, like I'm gonna put this fuse back in, and I'm gonna have access to recording that that uh, Lyman Good left, and that's what happens here. And basically, Lyman Good then sends him onto another thing that, like, well, I left, I stashed the hard drive at this uh, theater I go to, like in the trash. It's like, well, you got a limited amount of time to pick that up. Yeah. Uh, he probably this knows may or may not end up in the largest landfill in the world. Um, <laughs> so you got a few days to figure this out. <laughs> all right maybe you the trash schedule and you know it was going to pick that get picked up a, for a couple days or something um murphy steals the blue thunder uh cochran runs out sh- shooting at the blue thunder which i guess it's heavily armed but that it, it takes a lot of bullets and then when cochran gets his helicopter it's suddenly it's not bulletproof anymore but that's fine so yeah uh, well, well i mean i guess bulletproof the, against like you know like, 50 cal yeah here. big cannons whatever whatever those are. <laughs> It's bulletproof um, enough, though. It gets shot up yeah. quite a bit, and it doesn't really affect it. Uh, Murphy calls the news station like from the helicopter to try to get them a story. It's like, hey, I need to get the truth out there or I'm dead. Uh, then he calls his girlfriend to send her to get the hard drive, which I forget how he calls his girlfriend from the helicopter. <laughs> yeah, he has some kind of device that calls because they know who he's calling somehow. Okay, Central knows how who he's calling and how. I don't know how that would work. Um, I mean, I know cellular technology like was actually existed very, you know, <laughs> way into that time, but not like we have it now. Well, I mean, technically, like you know, like World War II, those backpack radios. I mean, that was cellular technology. Yeah. Just it all determines how many line of sight towers you have. That's that's all cell phones are. It's yeah. just a lot of towers in the line of sight. <laughs> it's not magic. It's not getting sent up to space. It's just it's all line of sight communication. Yeah, it's all those ugly, weird protuberances you see on every building and in, you know, like in the middle of the woods and where you live like those are all cell phone towers um and then really the magic of modern times is that you make a digital signal and suddenly you can pump thousands of phone calls into the, where you once had one analog call so yeah yeah I mean, today you can talk on these things for five hours while driving around the united states and almost never <laughs> get disconnected unless you're in like really you know back backwards areas but somehow he but does I, it and they uh because he has to well, call I suppose him, from a helicopter that's like the ultimate way to communicate because you're the highest thing there so well he has to communicate with an operator at some point oh, okay because he's calling this lady and she's like that's yeah, he's listed. like calling dispatch and to, well that's a listed number it's like don't give me any bullshit lady okay <laughs> yeah because it makes it seem like like hey we're the cops we're not going to call the news unless we really have to so she's going to make it as difficult as possible <laughs> and so he's like hey this is an emergency don't give me shit. <laughs> she becomes suspicious because she like runs the gate at the at the drive-in feeder because the guy wasn't there to like let her in uh and so that so he calls the cops and so she's like looking through the the uh the not the trash can what's that the dumpster what's the big thing the dumpster so yeah she's looking through the dumpster to try to find the 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 hard drive uh murphy hovers over kate as she like grabs the hard drive 
Uh, then the the cops send out two choppers, but it's like full of SWAT guys. So they got like an M60 machine gun and both choppers, and they're just side gun. They're just on the door like side gunners. Uh, so they fire on the blue thunder, but it's like to little effect. And then Murphy gets out as the cannon, and he like strategically returns fire to not just outright kill fellow cops. So like one chopper goes down safely, and then he takes the other chopper on a chase. And this is where they. Like, they're just flying like a few feet off the ground as they fly under all the bridges on the L.A. River. It's a really cool scene. Yeah, so, they yeah. really did this, too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> no, no practical effects here. Yeah. Uh, you know, just another great, great way to use the L.A. River, which has shown up in tons of movies we've done because it's basically just free to shoot there and it still looks cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah most people in the country wouldn't know what that was. So it works. <laughs> So the, the police chopper like collides with a wall, but they make sure to show all the cops escape. So, you know, he didn't accidentally kill a bunch of cops. Uh, and this Kate is when Murphy pulled. stops caring about civilian deaths. Uh, Cause that's <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> uh, Kate gets pulled over and the cops are just like, like, you know, cause they're chased. I'm not sure if they know who she is or if she's just evading cops or like, Hey, put a gun in her face. Uh, but yeah, they're like Murphy holding shows. a gun to her ear, like with the hammer <laughs> cocked back. Like, let me see your license. And I, like, whoa, dude, about two seconds um, away from pulling that trigger. <laughs> but then Murphy shows up and then that gives Kate a moment to take off in the car and the cops give chase. But then Murphy just shoots the cop car in half. <laughs> ridiculous, but fun. Um, and then F-16s are, are scrambled to intercept the Blue Thunder. Uh, they fire a missile at him, but then the missile just blows up a barbecue joint instead. Which I'm, I'm, I was kind of scrub watching here, so I'm not sure if that was Murphy's intent or just yeah, he was hanging out near accident. the a heat source because they they say because the mayor of Los Angeles, who's like just is the angry uh, angry police sergeant, and I think it's the guy from Beverly Hills Cop. It's like yeah. he's the mayor of L.A. in this movie, and. They say, no, they're heat-seeking missiles. So, you know, we can surgically, because he's like, yeah, don't fire missiles into Los Angeles. Because if they <laughs> miss, they might kill a person or two. And they're like, no, they're they're heat-seekers, and they'll lock on to the heat signature of the Blue Thunder, which, like, I guess that was a myth. I mean, heat-seeking missiles don't work that way now with the technology <laughs> you have, let alone back then. But, so, yeah, he's hanging out near this, uh, you know, uh, it's it's uh, that, that town's called Little Tokyo, that part of the city. So we yeah. hang out near this like uh, Japanese barbecue place because the heat is going to draw the missile away from him and 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 uh, and hit the barbecue place, which like you think well, would has, kill a it, bunch of people. Well, it has a giant stack that heat's coming out of, so I think he's thinking like it'll hit the highest yeah heat signature. But here they just have like the whole joint blows up. But again, they do have. They do go out of their way to show like everyone evacuating the barbecue yeah. joint just because the helicopters above it. So they have that. So they get away with basically there's no civilian casualties purely by happenstance, but, which is something the main character could do nothing to like make sure it happens or it, like, <laughs> like he's just acting out of survival. It's like, well, yeah. if a bunch of people die, oh, it sucks to be them. <laughs> uh, but you can't have your main character do that. Yeah. So. Or that'd be a very different movie. Yeah, well, it'd be the character as he was originally written, who was just oh, okay. severely mentally. Because I watched the making of documentary, the main character in this is hateful. 
It's just the guys <laughs> that he's against are worse. But yeah, he is a really screwed up human being in the in the in the original script, and they uh, they kind of change that to make him more likable in this. But yeah, he's just this messed up Vietnam vet, pi- uh, you know, uh, helicopter, helicopter pilot, pilot that's like, yeah, he's a real problem. But you know, we owe him this for his service or whatever. But yeah, so then in the movie they make him a little more like less cavalier with human lives, but not as the script was originally written. He, he was just a nec- less evil version of Cochrane. <laughs> and I don't necessarily fully know, like, the breadth of helicopter operations in Vietnam, but, like, the idea of the attack chopper wasn't necessarily a thing. They did have, like, kind of, like, smaller helicopters they attached guns to. Uh, I remember that in, like, what was that We Are Soldiers or or We Were Soldiers? What's that, what's that one? Oh, the one with Mel Gibson where they used the helicopter-borne assault troops for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a point in that movie, which I'm not sure if that's how the history worked out, where they just like put like 50 cows on the sides of like yeah, little bird helicopters. They also had the Air Cobras they were developing back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that was still like in the infancy of it. So, like, no, they were used in the, later stages of Vietnam, but yeah. But like the idea of the attack helicopter, but didn't really come into like what it is now. So, a lot of those guys in Vietnam were just, were just guys. They were just dropping off guys and picking up guys, yeah, not yeah. necessarily like having aiming weapons and firing missiles and stuff like that. Yeah, some. I mean, uh, they had some of that apocalypse now guys, where they had missile pods and machine guns. Yeah. but they were mainly they were calling in you know napalm from uh, you know larger you know fighter fighter jets and stuff. Oh yeah, so Cochran gets a hold of a gunship and he's trying to take out Murphy. Yeah, here he has a smaller. Helicopter with just like some fifty cows on the side, just like kind of pointed straight, so he can't like they're not like looking where he's aiming. He has to aim the whole helicopter, aim the weapon. Yeah, he's basically like uh, think he has a helicopter. What like in uh, if you guys have seen uh, Black Hawk Down, the thing they call Little Bird, which is a yeah. Kiowa like H six ten or whatever. Like that's he's flying a earlier version of that, which is a highly maneuverable helicopter. It's like a two seater. Um, which that's the one like the guys that were making the movie are like, oh yeah, this could run circles around Blue Thunder because <laughs> that doesn't weigh anything. Um, here's the, like basically reveal the conspiracy is all about like this private company stirring up trouble in the barrio to sell the public on the Blue Thunder and, and like lethal force from the sky. Um, and the thing is, in this sick country, you wouldn't need all that to sell the country. Right? You just need to show people the Blue Thunder, and it's like. Yeah, that's cool. You're going to kill poor people with that? Yeah, I'm in. Uh, take out tent skitties, cities from the sky. Yep. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what could go wrong? I don't live there. Who cares? You know, it's, it's America. <laughs> that's your lower class thinks they're middle class operational. <laughs> yeah, these of- truck guys with mobile homes think that that's... Uh, <laughs> That's a viable solution. It's like, yeah, you're going to kill all them poor people. It's like, I hate to tell you, Bubba, you're a poor person, (laughs) too. Uh, Actually, in reality, compared to the people that are arrayed against me, I, too, am a poor person. I'm not independently wealthy, so therefore I'm an enemy of of their uh, their view of how the world's going to work. Oh, yeah, like there are shots where, like, uh, Malcolm McDowell's, like, you know, it's like they, uh, yeah, he's really flying, and so they show him, well, he's not flying. He's like somebody else is flying, and they're just having shots of him while he's being a passenger. 
Uh, and if he looks scared, like he's getting, get, because uh, Murphy's getting the upper hand, it's actually just because uh, Malcolm McDowell is terrified of flying. That was just his genuine reaction yeah. to being in the air. Yeah, he hated, uh, <laughs> he loved and hated this movie because it's like some of the best <laughs> acting I did, but it's because I was truly scared. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Murphy does his full loop and then uh, gets the upper hand on Cochran and blows up Cochran and he throws his line back at him which I forget he says it constantly in the movie what's Cochran's line oh, like, he's like I got my eye on you or something or catch you later or something yeah, like it's that always with the pistol hand like, <laughs> you know, something. so yeah so he says something like catch you later and then blows him up uh, and then uh and then I thought there was going to be something because it shows the shots of a train. I was like, oh, are they trying to get a message to Murphy? Like, hey, everything's good. Come down. But no, Murphy strategically lands the helicopter in a railway crossing so that it destroys the Blue Thunder and he walks away. And that's when I really like this movie. It's like because <laughs> it wasn't the bullshit of like, oh, I can use this great evil machine for good. It's like, no, this just <laughs> has to be destroyed. Which is kind of simplistic because they can just build another one. They got blue. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's yeah, not yeah. going away forever. Yeah, they said it was only five million dollars, and this is eighty dollars. So it's like, well, surely they can build a hundred more. <laughs> well, and if you pay attention on the side of the blue thunder, the numbers are zero zero two, which means there's a zero zero one somewhere that can immediately be pressed. You know, for every fat man, there is a little boy that can be immediately be pressed into service. So, but I did like it. That's like the punk rock ending of this movie. It's like. No, we're not going to use this for good. We're just going to destroy it because it's all evil. <laughs> which immediately reminds me of Back to the Future 3, which this definitely precedes. But like, I it's, I think it's more famous than Back to the Future 3. But it's like, no, they did it here. So they did it first here. So Yeah. <laughs> this is where they stole uh, the idea from. <laughs> uh, and then you get like kind of like voiceovers of a news report that's based on like a debrief to the audience is like, yeah, this was what happened. Like everybody went to jail and then Murphy was like exonerated, <laughs> but it's still seen as kind of like a dark ending, even though they say those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because essentially the ending you see is just him walking away. And who is the poor bastard driving the train? Like, did he live? Yeah, he dumped the fuel. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we didn't talk uh, about the second F-16 strike. Oh, okay. Yeah, when he hit the side, when he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna hang out by this skyscraper, and where the sun is bouncing off the building, I'm gonna let the missile like slam into that," <laughs> which is like, oh, it's like weirdly reminiscent of some things that happened about you know thirty or twenty years later, thirty years later. But yeah, that was. Uh, but they did make it seem like, no, everyone was out of that building already because they knew there was a lunatic with a helicopter running around the city. <laughs> Which would be terrifying. We've had tanks and, you know, bulldozers do some racket, but we haven't had a crazy guy with a helicopter, with an armed helicopter before. So, you know. Well, after, to our audience, after you watch Blue Thunder, watch Tread, which is the movie about <laughs> the guy who made the, the killdozer. <laughs> and just realize, like, if he ex had succeeded at any point in what he really wanted to do, it would like he would have been the biggest mass murderer in human history. <laughs> but it didn't work. But the 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 level of craftsmanship and thought that went into like I'm building my own assault tank out of a, a bulldozer was really cool. It's like, oh, this guy was like dedicated. 
And what did the argument start? It was over a zoning thing with the local city. <laughs> so, you know, those local politics, they matter because someone might come at you with a homemade tank. <laughs> Which they essentially couldn't stop. He just overheated it and got it stuck. All right, so so we're sending a probe into space containing a supercut of scenes from the imperfect collection that is the Verhoeven effect. So, Nathan, what scene from Blue Thunder are we sending into oh, space? Oh, the, 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 we're spying on the enemies, and they're revealing the whole plot of the movie. <laughs> because that's, that's the biggest strength and weakness of this movie. It's like, well, it's what ties it all together, and it's dumber than hell. But there it is. If you're going to appreciate this movie, you've got to appreciate that scene where we're just going to sit around and... I mean, did they actually have mustaches? They were twirling. I, I mean, they should have. Um, that's the scene yeah, I for me. Uh, I, I don't have a scene. So of course, I created this feature, and every week I forget. That. It would be the uh, same scene, really. Yeah. Or, or I would have just picked the uh, them spying on the lady. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because like, our perversion becomes good. <laughs> no, see, this act of horrible perversion and invasion of somebody's privacy actually pays off later. <laughs> because we're doing it for the right reasons, so that means we're not perverts. So, you yeah, remember, like, Murphy didn't kill the helicopter. It was that lady doing naked yoga that killed the helicopter. Yeah. They saw the error of their ways. <laughs> it's immediately what happened. Even though they were spying on her with the normal police equipment. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. If that had been Blue Thunder, it would have been amazing. Get, get, the, get the rifle mics out. Get the infrared. Oh, look how hot her crotch is. This is amazing. You can hear the slow titch, twitch muscle fiber stretch in her, bo in her body. <laughs> That's the kind of chick you want at your birthday. Like, what? <laughs> You find out, like, uh, yeah, a subplot becomes like, uh, yeah, Daniel Stern's like, never the Stern characters never had sex. That's why he's like, <laughs> so emotionally stunted. And so Murphy's got to get him laid with that, like, Latina prostitute with the big boobs. <laughs> to be at, like a side quest in Blue Thunder. Like, if we made the video <laughs> game Blue Thunder set in the 80s. Uh, did they do a TV series of this? Yeah, it lasted 11 seasons. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, 11 episodes. 11 episodes? Yeah, not 11 seasons. Oh, no. no. <laughs> the, the cover is kind of interesting. Like, the original 80s cover is just this ominous glow of, like, a vague shape of the helicopter. Yeah. And then, like, the newer one's just, like, a big blown-up, like, blue and black uh, monotone picture of the of the uh, blue thunder no the original <laughs> poster is like cool it's like one of those posters yeah. i would buy for myself just because it like it doesn't <laughs> reveal enough to for you to know anything but it, so it requires you to do a little research which then makes the poster even cooler <laughs> upon like understanding what this is supposed to be it's like oh that's really <laughs> neat because the bottom of it is the the la skyline all lit up yeah, and then and then a void of darkness above it, and then the lights on the front of the blue thunder, and it barely illuminating itself. So you can't really. It's just a vague yeah, shape. Yeah, they just had darkness. like anti-collision lights on. Like you don't know <laughs> what it is, which is another thing they added weight to the blue thunder because they've shot a lot of this at night. They had to put a light kit on it to illuminate itself. 
because they have like real like tactical helicopters don't do that they as a matter of fact they don't even have the collision lights on them because they're on stealth missions so but they said putting those lights on the blue thunder is like oh that was a, a further complication because the only way we could illuminate it with you know because they were shooting on film at that time from other helicopters was you had to have a bunch of lights on it but they had to be uh like internal because otherwise it would look unrealistic if you're just shining lights on it's like why are we shining a light on this so yeah, some of the technical problems they overcame in this movie are pretty astounding. When you realize, you know, it was a $22 million budget, which in, uh, oh, let me look, because they, they have the conversion. This would be a $75 million movie nowadays. Okay. So Which is like a, like a mid-budget movie yeah, nowadays. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, this, this isn't like, you know, Marvel Bucks movie. This is like a medium-budget movie. But like um, again, like I said earlier, this is uh, this is a trope of the times that doesn't exist anymore. Where like a common man, like a kind of a because no- Roy Scheider is basically a normal like blue collar cop character who has this past flying helicopters in the military, but he's handed technology that gives him, you know, this ability now to to like oh I can make the world better. Uh, <laughs> those movies don't exist anymore, by the way. They don't make movies like this anymore. So. Or at least they haven't in a long time. Because this was kind of transcended by, like, you know, things like Predator, uh, you know, the Stallone movies that came after and all that. Because that was never, like, super technology. That was just, like, tough guys. Like, I can shoot a gun faster than everyone else, and I got bigger muscles. And It's like, that's (laughs) not the kind of action hero Roy Scheider was. Well, I'm trying to think of, like, what's the last, like, helicopter-centric like television and or movie that would have to be like like black hawk down or something (laughs) uh black hawk down was like that was based on stuff that really happened that wasn't like fiction i mean it wasn't centered around the helicopters that's just like a lot of famous helicopters but i mean i'm guessing we were we are soldiers was actually later so probably like airwolf i think this ended like with airwolf where you had like the so hasn't, there hasn't been anything recently <laughs> not that i can recall uh, um but again we don't do like movies like it was like like the because because like after this you had like well i mean like top gun maverick but that's just kind of like doing the top gun thing just later on yeah they were, they were using like f-18s because they it's like oh it's low enough tech we can get through yeah because uh, you got because like you know because maverick was like and they had the f-14 too because the iranians kept those <laughs> um but yeah that this is um yeah i can't think of a movie like this where they they like it's like oh super technology is what's like maybe sneakers <laughs> yeah, that was one you mentioned but this that wasn't directed by badham but yeah it was uh uh yeah it was this is this is kind of a genre of because this i mean of, you have i mean you have movies where it's like future technology and how it affects society but like not like, hey, what's the latest military equipment? Let's make a movie about it. That's not really. No, that doesn't exist anymore. Although weird, there there is a new. There's a there's like a very weird thing, and like people you know that like make good movies are doing it, where it's like movies based on like commercial products. Oh. And it's all come out recently. There's like Air, which is about making the Air Jordan sneaker. Yes. Like Ben Affleck's making it. I hear it's good. There's I'll, I'll Blackberry. Watch it. it looked interesting. I want to see the Blackberry one too. There's Blackberry. There's a movie about the making of the Blackberry. Uh, what else? 
I saw this one. It's about like the making of like, um, like, uh, what is it? Like flaming hot Cheetos. There's like a oh, sort of like one. docu or, uh, not docu. What do you call that? Biopic about that guy. Although I heard, I always heard the story about it. It was like some, some Frito Lay's like, um, um janitor came up with it and then i heard then i remember reading that that's actually false or something yeah but here in this movie it's presented as it's the janitor story so i have no idea <laughs> but anyways it's just weird that like all of a sudden there's just movies about products that you buy and we're making movies about their mythology which i guess is more it's still evil in some ways but i guess it's less evil than promoting like the cool war machines <laughs> <laughs> well, because this stuff came along as a form of entertainment in like the you know early '80s to mid '80s, and then like you had the techno thriller. Like Hunt for Red October is kind of a version of this, but it involves yeah. hundreds of men and the entire U.S. Navy. It's like not like just one guy has access to this technology and he changes <laughs> things for the better. So that became like the techno thriller. But now technology is kind of diffuse. Because in the you know in the earlier in the early age of the internet, people believed like oh garage tinkerers could change the world. Whereas like that era has now passed, and now <laughs> we're into like oh what evil genius is coming up with artificial intelligence to enslave us, which is kind of like a throwback to like Terminator, where yeah. it's, it's so yeah all this stuff like moves in a circle, so you never know like you know what what's going to catch on and what isn't. But for its time, I think I, I think this is a having watched it recently after not seeing it for twenty years. It's like this is a much better movie through you know as I enter into my like declining elderly years. It's like <laughs> oh I I this is a b b much better movie than than I thought it was because it was subversive just because of the ending because I di I didn't really remember the ending. It's like oh yeah he's just gonna yeah. destroy it like that's cool. <laughs> it's like yeah this is too evil even though they again they can make thousands of them it's like it's kind of the message is like nope this is terrible we're not doing this and we're destroying it but i remember but yeah the, the one guy with technology that's sort of what like what knight rider was yeah um so airwolf and was. I, yeah yeah they're essentially the same thing and then uh and then like th th there's a ridiculous television show that came out in the 90s it only had one season because you know obviously no one was really put their really put their creative muscle behind it. But they came out with the Dodge Viper, so they came out with an action series called yeah, Viper, yeah, which is about a Dodge Viper that changed into a crime fighting car. Never seen an episode, <laughs> but I remember hearing about it. So yeah, it was stupid, but so yeah, it's come back in this weird like product as as a uh, uh, what I get like. What's it called? <laughs> not a documentary, not a biography. What is that? Not a docu series. What do you call that? It's like a products as characters. Yeah, but like, what do you call that when it's like a movie about a, a person's life, but it's not exactly oh, a product biography. biography or product or a biopic? Yeah, a biopic. Okay, yeah, or a biopic. Yeah, that's another way to say it. So yeah, product biopic. <laughs> that works. Well, if you like what you heard, and how couldn't you? You can find us at verhoeinfect.com. Uh, there you can rate our, or whatever platform you're, you're on, you can rate us whatever you want. But remember, the algorithm only listens to the highest rating. Remember, you control the algorithm. The algorithm doesn't control you. You can rate us, or, or you can, at verhoeinfect.com, we have listener support. Where you can support us on a monthly site, either 99 cents, 499, or 999. You can find us on Twitter at verhoeinfect, Facebook, verhoeinfect. You can find us on YouTube 
American Greed Factory and watch both this and that podcast live and unedited. And you can find our t-shirts at belowthecollar.com slash greed factory. So for the Frail Effect Podcast, I'm Common. And I'm Nathan. Goodbye, America.